I'm back with our next episode of Count the Bucket, CTB, as you can see with Nick up there. Isn't that just pretty sitting there by your face there, Nick? Like, I mean, it helps your screen a little bit for me on my end. But uh, welcome back for our next episode. We got a full plate. As you guys can see, we look a little bit more handsome here. You know, we, we've got Aaron joining us today. CJ already making these comments, these faces I can see when I make these comments. Aaron, you know, I don't care to say another guy looks beautiful or, or handsome, but, you know, CJ usually rags on me a little bit because I think Booker is one of the most handsome NBA players I've ever seen. How are we starting the show like this? <laughs> well, when I said we look a little more handsome, I already seen CJ's look, and I was like, well, I'm just got to go ahead and throw this out here. I didn't, what? I didn't know it was going to start the show like that. Jump <laughs> off the gates with it. Like, so happy to have Aaron back on the show. Aaron is no stranger to us, especially with Count the Bucket. But with some of our guys out here, you may not know who he is. So right now, Aaron, take a moment, introduce who you are, what all you represent, what many uh, hats you wear, and the, the floor is yours here. I appreciate it, guys. Glad to be back on CTB. Um, it's a pleasure. Always glad to kind of chat with you guys about the NBA at large, what's going on in our world. Uh, so what I've been up to recently is um, a co being a co-founder and a contributor over at a, an entity that I helped uh, create called no trade clause. So we've been running that website in a podcast over the past almost two years now, which is kind of hard to believe, but, um, we have the website, we have a bunch of resources like cap sheets for every team. We have draft capital. So if you want to track all the draft picks for your, your favorite team or whatever team you're interested in uh, looking at transaction log, things like that. So, um, just running that resource, just promoting it, uh, getting it, blowing it up, getting more eyes on it. Kind of like you guys are doing count the bucket and unwrapped and everything. Um, so just kind of just taking some of the skills that I've learned over the years, just running my own podcast, my own website and carrying it over to a bigger outlet, a bigger scale over at um, no trade clause. And um, recently had the experience to go out to summer league for about a week and promote it out there and do some networking. And, um, you know, I'm sure I can get into a little bit more of that later, but that's basically what I do now. Um, as far as in the NBA world, just more podcasts, more, um, website content, things like that, just networking and just enjoying the NBA world. So, um, like I said, glad to be here and, uh, you know, hope all you guys are doing well. Try to talk ball. Absolutely. And of course, with CJ, you and Nick, you know, I've missed you all last week. I was on vacation, got a little sun down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, not a beach or anything, but definitely got to uh, hang out around where Dolly Parton has uh, built a beautiful place. I don't know if y'all have ever been anywhere close to Gatlinburg. But it's a wonderful place. Didn't even go to Dollywood. But let me tell you, I spent a pretty penny while I was down there. I'm pretty sure I'm broke. So everyone that's watching this now, you all need to go to YouTube and subscribe to our channel to try to help me uh, build that bank account back up and help us with some of these subscribers. You guys been doing okay? I heard from you in a couple of weeks. or seeing some pretty faces. I've been doing great. I was actually I was actually driving back last week from Virginia. So that's why, you know, unfortunately I wasn't able to be on the show. But besides that, I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing well, you know, uh, chilling, man, chilling. Glad you guys are doing well. Glad to chop it up, talk some basketball with my guy Aaron. So, good Sunday. Let's get it. So, one reason, well, not the only reason, but I say one reason, yeah, that we wanted to reach out to Aaron and try to get him to come on to the show is we're very jealous of him. Uh, what he got to do, we actually got to see him on ESPN. So, you know, kind of celebrity here, you know. First, we have uh, – Seth Greenberg on the show, who was down with the Summer Leagues, and now we follow it up with Aaron, who was also at the Summer Leagues. I don't know if y'all's paths crossed or anything, but 
Aaron got to be on TV. I think Nick uh, got a picture of him that he got snapped. It's a video, for. yeah. Appreciate you, man. So, <laughs> I want to hear about your experience down in the summer leagues, what all you was doing with your no-trade clause, uh, your opportunities you had there, and just kind of just going at just a recap of everything you got going on that you were able to experience. Because this is this is your second time going, right? Uh, technically, it was my third year. Third year. Uh, okay. It was my second year going no-trade clause okay. Um, okay. in that capacity. But, uh, yeah, essentially went down there with um, the other three guys that are a part of the no trade clause team. Currently, uh, we met up over there. We got in at different times. So I got in one day and then, you know, we kind of followed up um, in the subsequent days. But we got there, you know, settled in, uh, went to Thomas and Mac, Cox Pavilion, watched a few games. But, um, you know, our main mission was to promote, like I said, no trade clause to get more eyes on it, uh, promote it through podcasts and mm -hmm. just going and meeting people. And, you know, over the years, we've been fortunate enough to meet some people that have um, got eyes on our website. They enjoy our work. So we went out there and created those relationships. Um, one of the guys that are part of our team, his name is Oliver. He um, He's a part of like our scouting department, you can say. Um, okay. So he's really into the draft process, the scouting realm, things like that. So he went out there and he's been at a gym in Miami for most of the summer uh, a gym that many NBA guys hit up to do workouts and things like that with their trainers. Mm -hmm. So through that, he was able to gain some connections and found out that a lot of those guys were going to be in Vegas while we were there. So he hit them up, um, had a good relationship with them. They were uh, gracious enough to offer their time to come on our podcast. We had the studio set up in the concourse. Uh, so we didn't have exclusive rights to it or anything. We weren't the only people using the studio. There were other shows. Um, Igadala and Evan Turner had a show out there. Um, Chris Haynes had a show. Uh, I mean, there were some big time people using the studio. So we were just one of several shows out there, but we were fortunate enough to get a few opportunities to have a podcast. So we brought on some NBA trainers like Aaron Miller, who's trained Patrick Beverly, um, some influencers, some guys on social media like Rafael um, Barlow, who started up a, like a draft page, NBA draft page on Twitter. Um, Hoop Intellect, he has a YouTube page and a Twitter with a lot of followers. He came on our show. Uh, Bobby Marks from ESPN, uh, guys like that, you know, a lot of big time people out there. So um, just got the opportunity to kind of learn more about them, to establish relationships. Um, you know, the, I think my favorite part about Summer League was getting to chop it up with um, E.T. and, and uh, Igadala for a little bit after their podcast. And we, mm -hmm. you know, interacted a little bit. Uh, they subscribed to our podcast, which was pretty cool. They cool. seemed to be a fan of what we were doing. And uh, there was a mutual respect there. So we had that relationship going. That was pretty cool. Uh, you know, chopping it up with Bobby Marks and learning about his process of covering the lead as, as an insider and his experience as a previous GM and things like that. Uh, and then hitting up the games, you know, just that's one of my favorite parts about Summer League is, you know, meeting up with guys like, for instance, guys like, you know, you guys that um, I have met over the years of doing podcasts with. And you just say, hey, we're going to go watch. Uh, the Pistons and Pacers today in, in Cox Pavilion. You know, you just go hit up the game and, you know, you can sit wherever you want almost. You can be behind the bench, you know, right behind some big-time NBA players, and you're just taking in the action. And, um, you know, it's a smaller gym than, like, an NBA-sized gym. So you go in there, and it feels like a high school gym. Uh, so it's more intimate, and you're closer to the action, and it's just an incredible atmosphere. So I just say for anybody that's ever considered going to summer league, I highly recommend it. If you're an NBA fan in any way, shape or form, it's the best networking opportunity. It's just a great time. If you're a fan, you just want to watch some games. You never know who you run into. You can just be strolling down the concourse and 
run into um, Ben Matherin, you know, after a podcast or, you know, someone like that, you know, it can be Anthony Edwards, you know, out there, it could be Tyler Hero, it could be GMs, coaches, like everyone is out there. LeBron James, Westbrook show up one day and, you know, they didn't want to speak to each other for whatever reason. And, you know, that's been highly covered, <laughs> uh, highly publicized, but, uh, you know, everybody's out there, man. So I just highly recommend it to anybody who wants to go. And um, I had a great experience for the, Second time going into a trade clause, and I really hope that you guys get the opportunity next year to go as Count Bucket uh, with Unwrapped and have that opportunity to network yourself um, because the sky's the limit. You All it takes is one relationship, uh, one connection, and you're off and running, and that leads to the next and the next. So it was a great time. I really enjoyed my stay there, and, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's hoops heaven. That's the way, the best way I can describe it to, to people on the outside that haven't got a chance to go. So. I love it and hope you guys get the opportunity to do the same next year. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you talked about some of the players, um, you talked about your experience. I, I mean, that's, that's amazing. And hopefully, again, you know, we could, we could also, go, all four of us could go down there next year and really chop it up and, and gain connections and network. What about some of the players that you that you have saw and maybe that you were impressed by um, throughout, the, throughout the few weeks or so? You know, a lot of talk about the rookies that just got drafted. Keegan Murray had a phenomenal summer league. You know, uh, Ivy got hurt, but you know he definitely showed flashes of greatness in his, you know, his small stint with the with the Pistons. So, who are some players that you, you know, might have even though he might not not have gone to some games, but uh, definitely had your eye on and were impressed by? Uh, there's a few names that come to mind. Um, ben Matherin, definitely number one for me. Uh, the first guy I can think about. Uh, you know, he was the guy that you know Igadala and Turner had on their podcast, and you know they dropped some nuggets of wisdom on him on the rook and just kind of let him know what's up as far as like getting into the NBA world. But man, he looks so smooth as a score. He looks confident already off the bat. I think it was an excellent pick by the Pacers uh, to go along with um, Halliburton in the backcourt. Uh, I've been a, like a proponent of that pairing for ever since draft night. I thought it was just an excellent pairing, a great fit. And, you know, he had you know, great scoring games, 20 plus on good efficiency uh, looks like a guy that's going to be able to score, I think, at all three levels. And, you know, he already comes in as a strong shooter. You know, that was just one of his calling cards coming out of Arizona, just very strong as a shooter and be able to create space, you know, good shot creator already off the bat. So I'm just really excited to see him with Halliburton, who is efficient scorer himself, but is more methodical and loves to get people involved, set people up. He routinely has double-digit assist games. So I think the two of them working in tandem is going to be extremely exciting. Um, moving on to a sophomore that I saw, um, you know, luckily I got to saw in one of his limited stints was James Wiseman, uh, you know, in one of those summer league games where he came off the bat <laughs> and uh, just immediately had an impact on both ends where that's where I think the Warriors are just going to love his presence because he doesn't project as a guy that's going to dominate the ball, going to need a ton of touches. He just kind of fit in seamlessly. He was just getting good looks at the basket, alley-oops, blocks, rebounds that's all they need from them they don't need him to be a number two pick that averages 25 and 10 like they just need him to be out there and you can average 12 and 10 and three blocks and be and be good because the other guys can take care of the rest uh, as far as their perimeter players so he's another guy that really stood out to me uh while we're on the subject of the warriors <coughs> um moody was awesome as well uh i witnessed him he had that 34 point game mm -hmm. and then the warriors immediately shut him down they said that's all we need to see you're clearly better than all these guys out here. It's your second year. You've had enough experience. You're, you seem to be just to kind of level above all these guys. 
So um, Moses Moody was another guy that, that stood out to me. And it, it, I love to see guys in their second year come in. They play two games maybe, and they're clearly so far above everybody else that they get shut down. You know, we all want to see guys play for as much as we can. But if it's their second year and they're just clearly a, a leg up on everybody else and they're going to be firmly in the rotation, then I guess it, it makes sense to have them take a seat and have somebody else lower on the depth chart step up and take their spot and hopefully get some minutes and, and get a spot on the roster, get a two-way deal. Maybe not from that team, but another team can come in and offer them something. So just a few guys. I mean, there's several more. We can talk about Chet. We can get into that. Uh, you know, some guys from New York that asserted themselves, you know, making it to the championship game against the Blazers. But um, several guys I'm impressed with. But I actually wanted to, to drop a question on you guys to see what you thought about this. Um, obviously, I talked about a lot that guys in summer league, sometimes they come in and play two games. Like, um, you know, Ben Chero comes in and plays two games and gets sacked as a rookie. How do you guys feel about some of these guys coming into summer league and the teams are very kind of tentative on how much they play? Do you like that? Do you like that tentative kind of conservative approach with how much they play? Or do you want to see, especially some of these like top picks play more games, get more experience, maybe see Jalen Green play another year, Cade play another year, as opposed to just playing one season as a rookie and then not playing again. Like, do you, how do you guys feel about that? It's, it's, it's tough, honestly, because at the end of the day, especially when you're a GM, when you're a part of the front office, your job is to protect that player, especially one of the young guys, especially especially one of the top lottery picks like Paolo, Keegan Murray, Chet Holmgren. So, you know, you want them to be available and be ready for the uh, for the regular season. So I definitely understand that. But it is also tough at the same time because as a young guy, like especially as a young player, like, like Paolo, Chet, and the rest of these guys, like you want to go out there and you want to play no matter what it is, no matter whether it's summer league, whether it's pickup and whatnot. So, I think as a competitor, it's like, you know, you want to be out there on the floor, but it's also, it's almost like, you know, if you're part of the GM, it's like, you know, it's like, this is our investment. You know, we, we want to make sure that this guy is 100% ready for the season. It's, it's just tough. It's just tough all around. It's like, you know, I understand it. You know, you definitely want those guys to be healthy, to be ready for the regular season, to be ready, to be ready for training <laughs> camp. But it's like, but it's, but it's also, it's also tough at the same time because, you know, you want those guys to be out there in the summer league, you know, to gain that experience and just, you know, just being able to figure out like, like you know, what it takes to play at a high level. For sure. Yeah, it's a team by team basis. I definitely agree with with Nick. It's, that's, I mean, it's really your cash cow, especially for the these top guys, Jalen Green, Cade. We kind of already kind of saw enough from in, in the regular season last year. Probably probably felt like, you know, they don't, they don't want to bring him in for the summer league and then risk getting hurt. Definitely just want to have them. Uh, I think it was good that those guys were, were there in attendance watching the, the rookies and some of the young guys that might make the team. But you don't want to have you don't want to risk that. And for Paolo, too, I mean, you saw a couple of games. You saw he was ready. He was like Matherin. Like you talked about with Matherin and, and Moody as well. It's like, you, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to be really good. I mean, uh, Paolo did a, was phenomenal. He's going to be a bucket. It's going to be tough to guard him uh, just because of his measurables and how he's able to score. So. I think you know it's really team by team basis. Maybe the team they want they want to get a look uh, on how maybe they've been training since getting drafted or what they've been doing before getting drafted and see how to, if they're they're able to translate. Even though these most of the guys in summer league aren't going to be on the NBA roster, still get, still have to get a good look and for the coaches as well on the team, understand what you're what you're looking at going forward and see how you can improve and, and definitely help those guys uh, for the start of the season. So um, you know I just think. The team, I'm pretty sure, obviously, you know, they they sit down and, and have these discussions before they come up with the roster. So I think just team by team basis. And I, I'm excited. At least we got to see a, a lot of the guys, though. I mean, usually 
you know, some sometimes in some situations they just shut him down completely. But we, we saw a good amount of some of these top guys, and um, I think it was definitely uh, a win for the, you know, the ESPN and also for the fans. Because, you know, the summer league was almost better than the NBA's regular season. So, I mean, obviously it's it was oh, great. Oh, God. But, uh, no, I think back, uh, uh, of course, <laughs> one of my favorite players being a Kentucky guy, uh, Devin Booker, I, I even said it before, but boom. I remember his sophomore year, uh, they really wanted him play in the summer league just so he could have more of a dominant presence to have that growth and see how mature, if he could be that number one guy for their team. In those cases, I think it's totally good to see him play. I'm going to say, quote, more because technically they didn't play him the whole time, but you did see him play. But then you got guys like, you know, Anthony Edwards that probably didn't really need to prove anything in that sophomore year. So this guy buys a card every day. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I came home from this vacation and actually just came home from work. And my wife said, "Uh, you've got like a package. I'm pretty sure it's cards. It's like, I don't even know when I ordered cards, but I've got some more cards. But uh, that's my thing. I, I'm with uh, both of them. Like, it's really it's a player by player, team by team. It's really just going to be what do you need to see from that team, from that player. In my my eyes, uh, if you see that they're able to take control, like to me, honestly, I think Devin Booker was in a proved sophomore year. Like, is this really going to be our guy that can be the number one as a sophomore? We want to see Kenny be like that as he gets progressive, you know, older. And I think he's able to prove some of that with the, the younger guys. Like, okay, he does have that mentality, the Mamba mentality. Now we can maybe do a franchise with him. Uh, I do think that's kind of a play in there some. Now, I'm not going to hold a whole accountability on that with the summer league, but I do think that goes with a little bit of play into it as well. So I want to ask you guys this as far as, like, the young guys in summer league. So, like, which, 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 which one would you rather do if you were, like, a coach or a GM? Would you rather – have your star player um, play like only a minimum amount of games and then miss the um, and miss the rest of the summer league, or would you just have them on like a minutes restriction throughout the uh, summer league? Like, say for instance, like how about play like fifteen minutes of the first half and then he's done the rest of the evening? Like, what would you guys think about that? I think it kind of goes on how they play too. Uh, I would probably have a set plan already and told him like, hey. Uh, you're in the number one pick. This is what we're projecting you to play. Just this one game, 15 minutes, maybe 10 this first half, 10 the second half, maybe just do 20 minutes. But if you're playing hot, playing great, we may go ahead and pull you. Like, this is kind of what we may see. But, you know, if we think you need a little more time, we may leave you out there. But I would definitely go in at least on a transparent as much as I can. Hey, we don't want to play you the whole time because, one, if you're the number one pick, we don't want to – to lose you because you are a franchise player. But two, we also want to see you play with the guys and be dominant. And because one, if he's good and he's the number one pick, you probably need to let him play some just so us fans can lock him too. You know, there's some money that goes into a business part of it as well too. So I personally, as an owner, if I had the number one person on the team, I would go out there and say 15 to 20 minutes going to play you the rest of the games. We'll see how it goes. But you're not going to play every day, every game for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that um, for the most part. Uh, I'd probably take the, the Banchero approach. Uh, <laughs> just as far as like, what the Magic did with him, like you play him two games and, you know, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. It's like you play two, three games and then you're done. Mm-hmm. I think if you do that, you can kind of solidify a game plan. You can just kind of go into that maybe that fourth game where he's not playing and just kind of center it around – everybody else so they know what to expect for the whole game so you're not playing half a game with a top pick 
and you're off ball and you're the fourth or fifth option. And then the second half is completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's still, there's, it still comes down a little bit of like a case by case thing, but for the most part, at least for the top picks, I think you play them, uh, two, three games max, because I mean, if you're out there and you make it to the championship, I mean, you can be playing as many as I think five or six games. So, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a lot for, um, you know, guys that you want to protect going into the season. You don't want to, um, you don't want a Liddell situation where, you know, he tears his ACL. It's very unfortunate, but I mean, it's part of the game. You can't eliminate the risk altogether, but yeah, ultimately if I'm a GM, if I'm a coach or whatever, I'd probably go into it and just kind of say, you're going to play this many games or whatever. Uh, but it is tough. Uh, I think Michael, you touched on the the perspective of the fans and the networks and the money that's involved. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I can't remember exactly what game it was, but I know, I think it was Chet versus, uh, I don't know if it was Banchero or someone like that. One of the top picks, but they'd already reached their games limit with their team and they didn't play. So they're marketed as, you know, number one pick against number two or something like that. And mm-hmm. one of them doesn't play. And it's just kind of a disappointing situation. Mm-hmm. And we see that in the regular season a lot where, you know, you're expecting these two stars to play against each other and one of them doesn't. And it kind of takes some of the hype out of the game, so to speak, and uh, really disappoints the fans. I think you can hurt the product a little bit. So I would just like to see these teams be a little bit more transparent with how much these guys are going to play. So you don't get those situations come up, but um, that's how I'd approach it. I think I'd go a little bit more cut and dry as far as you play this amount of games, as opposed to playing like 10 minutes each game. Cause with 10 to 15 minutes, I mean, can you really get into a, consistent with them if you're only out there for a few minutes per half or per quarter or something so that's the way i'd approach it but it, it could differ a little bit depending on who the team is and who the player is that they're trying to protect do you think the players have like any say in like you know their minutes on the floor or the time on the floor or is it really just you know the coaches in the front office yeah the latter okay yeah, i would say the latter on that especially their younger guys um, i would say rookies definitely Sophomores may be a little bit more negotiable, I guess. Yeah, it's like like you guys said, a game or two, as long as you're transparent with the player, you let them know, you know, what's going on. This is how, you know, we're going to move with in this summer league. I agree as well. I mean, with, with your point about potentially seeing guys and guys sitting down, going to Vegas summer league, it's an opportunity for, for people that aren't necessarily able to afford, you know, these these regular season tickets and they get to see some of these young guys. So when you have yeah. a situation where these guys sit out at last minute and you're expecting to see, you know, Benchero versus Holmgren, you know, are a little disappointed. So I think that the NBA, the teams, and then also, you know, the broadcasters as well, and then and the networks be a little bit more transparent and on that. But, you know, it's, I mean, Pop's been doing that forever and we, we know the load management situation. So they don't care too much about that. But I, I want to transition to a team, the Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers. They've uh, it's a lot of stories surrounding them. Aaron, you talked about it a little bit in the <laughs> and in the summer league with with uh, Russ and, and LeBron sitting on each side of the court. So dramatic between both of those guys uh, during that game. What's what's your thoughts on everything that's that's been transpired? It's been reported by Chris Haynes that they had a a talk between LeBron, Anthony Davis, and, and Russ had a little discussion on the phone to, you know, reconcile and, and kind of come together and talk about, you know, what what's going to happen going forward if they're if they're if they are all three together at the start of the season. We know Russ just a part of ways with his agent of 14 years, moving on from him and deciding to, you know, look look elsewhere for the rest of his career. So, what's your thoughts on on this Lakers situation and how do you see it playing out? 
Look, first of all, they can talk all they want. They can have all that. They can have the the closed locker room talks, whatever players only meetings they could do. They can kumbaya. They can go out to dinner. I don't care. But those three together with Westbrook, I mean, it's just I don't see any way it works. The only way they get back to contender status is if they make a deal, get Westbrook out of there, they make a trade. But here's where they really shot themselves in the foot. I think they were good, and I've said this a thousand times, until they made that trade for Westbrook. They you know, lost a lot of their leverage. They lost a lot of flexibility. Uh, they don't have many trade shifts left. I think the only way they get – the Buddy Heald or Miles Turner or whoever they're going after in these deals is to give up two first round picks. I mean, that's how it goes. If you have a negative value contract like a John Wall or a Westbrook or something like that, you have to give some kind of incentive for that team to pick them up, even on expiring contract. Cause like Westbrook has one year left, but a team like Indiana, it's like, well, we'll take him off your hands. But that first rounder is not enough. We're going to need two. And then, you know, you're mortgaging your future already even more than you have already. So you're just kind of painting it to a corner. So I'm just really down the Lakers. I don't think they have many options. Uh, I think that's pretty much their only course of action left is to kind of sell off those last picks they have left, uh, retool the roster. But even then, I'm really skeptical on if they can make a deep run because I just don't trust Davis to be healthy for the long run. Uh, Braun is getting older. I think his longevity, his his ability to stay healthy over an entire season is is dwindling because over the past three seasons, we've seen him miss – Mm-hmm. 15, 20 games pretty consistently with an ankle roll or something like that, a groin strain. So I just don't think you can have your two pillars of your organization when you're that top heavy, miss that many games and be competitive. So, you know, for all the Lakers fans, it's, it sounds like a lot of doom and gloom, but I mean, this really is kind of the reality of it. I think a lot of things have to go right just for them to have a chance at a championship run. But with that being said, they can still be competitive. They can still fight for a, a top five or six seed in the, in the West, they can be a lot better than they were last year. But um, I think the first step towards contention again is moving off of Westbrook. And I just don't see that as a, as a possibility, unless they really just kind of empty the chest and just give the Pacers or whatever team, just everything they have left. It's really unfortunate. <clears throat> I want to piggyback that a little bit. Cause you know, that's the trade we're kind of hearing right now. Uh, I was listening to a podcast, uh, I want to say maybe it was J.J. Reddick was talking about how the Pacers are that trade that's going on that is dead at the moment. He kind of put parentheses or whatever quotation marks around the dead at the moment because we're still waiting to try to figure out if Kyrie is going to be traded. You know, like I feel like that's the plan A is Kyrie going to L.A. first. Like that's kind of been stopped, too. So we kind of feel like KD and Kyrie will still be a net next year. But it's almost like this pacer trade is, okay, we're done right now. We're going to transition back over here try to see if we can get Kyrie over. But I agree with you. Oh, nice. Uh, They were talking about how Miles Turner only had, I think, one more year left, and they were worried about maybe it could Turner and uh, AD play together. You know, it would be a no-fly zone at the rim, but yet would uh, Anthony Davis play the five or the four? Turner can shoot the three a little bit. Buddy has been traded everywhere. He shoots the three. So, I mean, it would sound good as far as who you're getting, but a lot of the X's and O's and the salaries they're talking about. What's that, Nick? No, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at the uh, the uh, patient right here. The patient just basically said, hell no to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in a, a first round. But uh, they're talking about they'll probably have to give up a second first round pick on that too. So, 
it's almost like they've said pause and no to this at the moment. But if they can't get Kyrie, they might have to go back and address this and try to figure out something to make at least something of getting rid of, of uh, Westbrook here. But uh, I don't know. If you're the Pacers, are you even really interested in this? I mean, it, I mean he's on an expiring deal. That's the thing, yeah. 47 mil is obviously it's a lot of money. And depends the Lakers on what, will be paying it, right? A uh, portion of it. portion of it, probably. Um Aaron, you probably know better than us right. when it comes yeah. to the cap situation. But I think if, if Russell if Russell does stay, it's about sacrifice. That's the key word with the Lakers this season. Is is Russ going to be willing to sacrifice and, and be a third option? Last year, wasn't wasn't able to do so. Can't really space the floor. Not a great free throw shooter. Hasn't it's declined as a finisher around the rim. And those and I mean those those are the things that. He excelled at when he was in his prime, and he still had, you know, elite elite athleticism. He's going to have to defend. I think Darvin Ham talked about that a little bit in his press conference. He said he spoke with Russ multitude of times. You know, as soon as he got hired on on what he expects of, of Westbrook if this trio does stay together. But you know, as as the season um, begins, and he has to be that third guy. He has to do the little things. We don't we don't need him to go out and, and get 25, 20, 20, and twenty like he did in Oklahoma City or some of the numbers that he put up with the Wizards. He needs to be third option. Sometimes guard the opposing team's best best guard, best perimeter player. Can he do that? I think he can. You know, I think he still has elite athleticism. It's just again, what's his mindset? What's going to be his mindset? If, if it's going to be, I'm gonna just do what I want to do and do what I've been doing for the last 14 years. I, I don't know if that's going to be the formula for the Lakers to have the success that they want moving forward. I look at this trade. It it does it doesn't really favor anyone. All the the Pacers just want the they just want the first round pick. They don't really they don't really care about Westbrook. They just care about the pick. That's that's why they probably want a second. They want the twenty twenty nine pick as well uh, with with that pick. And the the Nets also wanted that as well. When you talk about Kyrie and and, and Westbrook being a potential swap, they just these teams they just want the picks. They don't really care about Russ and and going going forward push come to shove they could buy him out. So they just want those future picks. If I'm Jeannie Buss and I'm the Lakers, I'm, I'm Rob Palenka. I mean, I, I would try to hold on to those picks. You just never know what's going to happen with AD. You never know what's going to happen with LeBron. Aaron talked about it. LeBron's been hurt two of the last four years that he's been a Laker. Now, it hasn't been, you know, major injuries, but it's been knickknack injuries where he's missed some games and it potentially hurt their hurt their seating. Look at a few years ago when they were in the playing game um, going up against the Suns. And even last year as well with AD getting hurt. AD as well. I mean, it's by this time, we thought he was going to be the best best player on the team. You know, he you know he already had the championship. He was supposed to make that ascension to be the guy, elite two way player, be in the MVP discussion for the multitude of his for the rest of his career. Haven't really seen it. He's digressed as well. Free throw shooting, three point shooting. So I, it's it's really just a mindset with with those two guys. I mean, I just look at those guys and LeBron. He's going to continue to do what he does. It's, you know, it's crazy that he's still playing at this level, averaging thirty in year nineteen. It's, it's crazy. We've never seen anything like this. You know, we can't take this for granted. And I think Russ and, and AD shouldn't take this for granted because you're playing with one of the greatest of all time. And I look at their roster now. They picked up Lonnie Walker, JTA, Damon Jones, qual, you know, quality, quality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A, you know, solid role players. Not, nothing, you know, to, you know, to bring, you know, bring you to like a, a elite level status. But I bet they're just banking on 
their main guys being healthy and then just those guys filling in every once in a while and, and making plays. I like Reeves. I think he could step up in year two and, and be a solid guy for them, knocking down shots, you know, being an okay defender on the perimeter. So, you know, they, when I look at the West, it, it's always been competitive. So, you know, it's not, that's not a shock there. It's been competitive our entire lives. <laughs> so, um, but they got, you know, got two of the most talented guys in the conference. So they're always going to be um, in in the in the discussion to win, but it's just going to come down to mindset. And if those guys truly want to buy in, if those guys buy in, you know, the sky's the limit. But if not, we're going to see a similar season to what we've seen in the last two years. Do you guys so, know how many points LeBron needs to average this next season to pass Kareem in all, all-time scoring? I think it's like 16, something 16. like that. 16.7, I believe. Okay. I just saw it a few minutes ago. That's just insane to me. I just can't believe he's doing this and, you know, he's in a position to do this. I didn't really think it would be a record we see broken, but I think once he does that, it's going to be untouchable because no one's staying healthy as, as much as he has in his career. I, I, I think that's just kind of putting it out of reach for everybody else that comes behind him, but that's just me. Completely agree. I remember people say KD was going to reach it. I don't see it. No, I don't see man. it, man. You know, injuries. the way this man is still playing right now and entering year 20, yeah. yeah, it's going to be tough to break for sure. Nick, what's your thoughts on everything that's going on in LA? I honestly don't know. I mean, you know, just just looking at the whole trajectory of this team, you know, I mean, basically, basically, I mean, you you basically touched on it, CJ. Like, you know, with the way that the West is, it's like, you know, like what is the ceiling of this Lakers team? Like, do we expect them to be as good as obviously Golden State? Phoenix is going to be back. Um, I think Dallas is going to be in that same position. Uh, Denver. Even the Clippers, honestly, I think I think I think you know that that signing of John Wall is going to be is really impressive, and they're going to be back as well with the healthy Kawhi and Paul George. So, like, what is really the ceiling of this of this Laker team? Because you know, obviously, if they do keep Russ, Russ is definitely going to have to make a sacrifice. There's no question about that. Are we banking on Braun to average 27 to 30 points a game in year 20? And the thing that like that frustrates me the most is like you know, even when AD was healthy throughout the course of this year, it's like you know, you could tell that he was really tentative. He didn't play at 100. percent he did, but basically, AD, AD didn't play at the level that he did that first year when the Lakers won the championship. So we're going to have to see that version of AD, honestly, if the Lakers are going to be like at least top five or six, at least in the West. But just, just in my opinion, I don't really I don't really have no high hopes for this team, honestly. I know they still have LeBron. I know, they, I know that they still have Russ and um, AD. But just looking at how last year was, I know they got a new coach, so they're definitely going to have a new system implemented um, in the team. But I just, don't, I just don't have any high hopes for them. Let me ask you this a quick question on this subject here, just real quick: Is playing game the limit for them this year with this roster? Like, if they get above the play-in, is it a good year for them? I think they should be. I mean, they're not going to be they're, – they're, of course, their mindset is championship. If anything else than a championship, the team is going to be very disappointed. But I think from our point of view, if they were to make the playoffs and they have a competitive round one, I mean, I think even that, considering their circumstances, is pretty good. Uh, but, I mean, this is still LeBron and AD. I mean, they can still make some noise. Uh, I think they're just completely out of the title race. But they can still be a competitive team. They have a lot of firepower. It's just – some things like as far as their defense, as far as their overall effort level, that has to improve to really make a run. I don't see it. I don't want to expect it. But I would say their absolute best case scenario is probably second round exit. That's just initial reaction. 
I think they just want to get healthy, get healthy. All those, all, all their guys, their key guys, they get healthy when they get to the dance. We've seen LeBron be the, you know, fourth seed, fifth seed, still make a run at the finals a long time ago. And I know it's in a different conference. So obviously that, that context matters, but LeBron, I mean, it, they were, they were up two one against the Suns before AD injured his groin, and that's where it went downhill from there. So I, I had picked them to beat the Suns in that series if they were going to stay healthy. Um, but I agree. But, it's all drumming's fault, man. The <laughs> yeah, the drumming curse. <laughs> he, did that, he did that, you know, that whatever he was like, <laughs> yeah, on, on, the, on, on the bench. Yeah, he, he, he sold it. He sold it. He sold it for the Nets too when he did a, that did. That, that did against Miami. Yeah. Don't sign Drake. Don't sign Drummond, bro. <laughs> Chicago, Chicago got him. So good That's luck. <laughs> good luck. But yeah, I think just stay healthy with the Lakers, and uh, I mean, it's gonna be tough for me to to go against a team beating LeBron and AD four times in a series because that's what it's gonna come down to. All those guys are healthy. Can you beat LeBron and AD with the proper mindset, Westbrook, <laughs> four times in a series? I don't care what team is is you put in front of them. That's that's a tall task. It's not. It's not gonna be a cakewalk. You know, so I think for them, just stay healthy, get to the get to the dance, and then and then we'll see what happens. Ah, man, it's gonna be tough for me to bet against LeBron, just because of everything we've seen throughout the course of his career, when his back's against the wall. So uh, just stay healthy, I think, is the key thing for them. How do y'all I'm feel? Too, but I'm saying, like, do you think they get into the second round because of the play-in, or do you think they're going to be one through? I think it's tough. It's tough to say so early. I think matchups matter. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like right. fighting. You know, like boxing. Like you know, right. if you go up against a certain style, you probably if you're favored. To me, if they go up against a team like Minnesota or something like that, I think that that's right. a fun series. That's a great series. Clippers. I, I just, I just feel like it, it depends on who they who they go up against. I think they need to focus on the regular season a little bit because you want to make sure you you go up against a team. When the time is right, come April, okay, this is a team we, you know, we're confident in, you know, and advancing, like Aaron said, potentially getting past that first round. And then second round, who knows? Who knows what could happen? So uh, I think it's, it's tough for me to say right now where they where they stand to me. They look like a playing team, you know, seven, eight maybe, because we know, again, LeBron and AD, I mean, they, you know, he's at an age where it's, it, you know, seating doesn't matter too much. But when it comes to LeBron, just make sure you get healthy at, at, at the end. So I, that's where I see them right now. You know, top top three, top. I don't I don't see that. I don't see that for the for the Lakers. Just because they're still an older team. Agreed. What about you, Nick? Um, I wanted to ask out this real quick because when this happened, I was kind of upset by it a little bit. Like, how do you guys think the loss of Malik Monk will possibly uh, impact the Lakers? Because in my opinion, he was he was practically their third best player when AD was healthy. It was LeBron, AD, and then I think Malik Monk. Obviously, you know, providing a lot of offense. So, how do you guys feel like? How do you guys feel like the loss of him will impact this team? Because I know I know they got guys like Lonnie Walker and other guys, but how do you like? How do you guys feel like you know his loss is going to be for the Lakers? Well, I'm going to be biased because he played at Kentucky, so I mean it's going to be detrimental for him. Uh, I actually think he had a great year last year. Uh, was one of their better shooting options for them. I was really surprised that they even let him go. But, I mean, shooters can be replaced a little. So, I mean, I understand that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they 
think they know what they're doing. So, I mean, okay. But I just feel like Monk was a good guy that – okay, let me just back up a little bit. Monk, to me, is a guy who can actually excel in a L.A. atmosphere. Like, when he is at Kentucky playing, like, he loved all the attention. If he is having a bad game, he is still smiling, eating it up, saying, hey, you know, like they're coming at me because I'm so great. You say I'm bad, but I'm still great. So, I mean, I felt like he was going to excel in the L.A. atmosphere there. So, I wish they would have kept him. And that's me hating with LeBron, saying that I wish Monk would have been there. So, probably hoping They're probably hoping Lonnie Walker becomes that a little bit. He's a streaky mm-hmm. guy. He's not as good of a shooter as, as Monk was. I think Monk went for the money, and also he went to go play with his guy. Like you said, his Kentucky guy. Him and De'Aaron Fox have a great relationship. Probably going to get some more more opportunities in, in Sacramento. They don't have DiVincenzo. They got rid of Hill. They got rid of Halliburton. So the, the guards is, isn't as, as heavy as it used to be um, in, in years past. So in Mike Brown's system, as we hope, you know, it won't be like Golden State, but it should be more of a, you know, a, a pass heavy, you know, free flowing type offense where a lot of guys get the basketball and there's spacing involved. So I think Sacramento is, is, is a better fit for him. Um, and, and for the Lakers sake, yeah, you got to hope Reeves fills in, gets you 10, around 10, 11, Lonnie Walker as well. Those guys, JT, maybe JTA could, you know, he's, this is an opportunity for him. You know, he was kind of just sitting on the bench, got garbage time minutes in Golden State. Maybe he could come in with the Lakers now and have an opportunity. He's going to have to knock down shots. <laughs> you know, playing with LeBron, you got to be able to spot up and, and knock down shots. So um, if I'm him, that's all I'm working on all season. And if, you know, if he's, if those shots are going in, Ham is going to keep him out there. So I think those three guys right there are going to have to step up and really fill the void of, of a Malik Monk. Yeah, Lonnie, I mean, he's obviously a weaker shooter than the Malik. Um, Lonnie only shot about 31% as where Malik was closer to 40, he was at just over 39%. But, you know, if we look at a small sample, I know this is a small sample, but, you know, about 13 games between February and March, you know, Lonnie was at 18 points a game and he was shooting about 38% from three. Uh, You know, that was when he had that really strong shit stretch in the season. He got more minutes in those games. He was playing 27 minutes a game. So he was at starter minutes um, during that stretch in San Antonio. So I think Lonnie has the potential to replace a lot of what Malik brought to the table. Uh, I, I still think Malik is – I'm not going to say it's a devastating loss for him. I think it's a, it's definitely a, a, a downgrade kind of on paper. Mm-hmm. But I think Lonnie has the potential to fill that void. It's all about how consistent is that shooting because um, he's just athletic, just as athletic as Malik. Um, you know, he can jump out the gym too. I think he That's has bad. a higher ceiling as far as like his defensive um, capabilities go, he's a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. So he can have an impact as far as defensively, which I think that's where the Lakers are trying to compensate a little bit on that end of the floor. So I think if he can be an approximation of what Malik brought, as far as like shooting the ball, like long range and uh, maybe getting to the rim and creating points like that in transition, then I think it could be a great pickup for him and, you know, kind of soften the blow of the Malik loss a lot. Um, of course, it could be the opposite. He could be a you know very streaky shooter, be low 30s, and just cramp the spacing even more. Uh, I'm curious to see how much he plays with Westbrook because uh, you know having the two of them on the perimeter, you know, plus if you have AD out there, I think people are respecting AD less and less at, on at, from three ever since the 2020 season. So I think it's all about how Lonnie responds from last season. Can he carry that over, or is he going to just going to be up and down, up and down, and um, I think if he is up and down, I think Reeves is going to take a lot of his minutes because Reeves is more of a consistent guy. You know what you're going to get from him every night. Uh, but I think it's a wait and see. I think it can be anywhere from 
they don't feel the loss at all from Malik, or it can be they feel it quite a bit because Lonnie just is so streaky and he just doesn't have that confidence that he gained between February and March of last season. So it's kind of a wait and see, but it might not end up being a huge deal for them to lose Malik uh, for what they got Lonnie for, which was the mid-level exception. Really not too bad. All right, yeah. Um, what do y'all think of uh, Reed's new nickname they're going with? I saw like thrown out there. Um, the last I heard was Cream Abdul Jabbar. Oh Cream. wow! <laughs> I don't know who some somebody said Hillbilly Kobe. I've never heard of that. I, 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 I heard, heard that, that one too. <laughs> That's wild. Did somebody yeah. say like the um, the Slim Reaver or something like that? I can't remember. <laughs> something like that is. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna call that man Austin Reeves, bro. Yeah, I'm calling <laughs> Austin. I'm, I'm yeah, calling him the same thing. Something. That's good enough. Yeah, he's a solid, solid guy, but I got to see more before we start throwing nicknames after exactly. that. <laughs> well, see, he was going by AR-15. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, it was, it was cool, okay. but, you know, the, you know the, way, the way the world is. So yeah. it's got right. to switch that. My thing is, is that, you know, shooter, I don't – he is a shooter, but my, my whole thing is that you know I don't I don't like bringing race into this, but it's like I don't know why the media is like so like in love with like these like role like these white role players like like you know Alex Caruso was kind of the He's same so, way yeah yeah like you know what I'm saying oh. he was like like it's just, it's just crazy to me it's the Lakers anybody on the Lakers yeah, that blows yeah, up yeah. gonna get a lot more attention if, than if well, they I don't know you got the unicorn I always thought that was weird like why why the big unicorn like it was oh for Persingas. Yeah, I always thought that was so weird. Like, why is he getting the nickname the Unicorn? I mean, I think they give him the Chet now, aren't they? The what? I think they give him the Chet now, aren't they? Yeah, they're trying, they're trying to they're trying to give it to the Chet man. Just like I said, I you know I'm calling these guys by their what their parents named them, man. I ain't <laughs> government <laughs> name. That's, that's what we're it. going with. Yeah, Unless it, we bro. nickname ourselves, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good, but I uh, want to transition now to the Philadelphia 76ers, James Harden. Just signed a deal with a new deal with the Sixers. We know his relationship with Daryl Morey from the from the time in Houston last year came there via trade with the Ben Simmons trade in February. In a solid, solid month and a half or so um, when he was in Philly, Joel gets hurt um, in against in the Toronto series. They go down 0-2 against Miami. They come back, tie it up, and then they fold. You know, like you know the. Harden is, is known for doing, but he signs, he takes less money, and you know, they bring in PJ Wall, uh, PJ Tucker, excuse me, from Miami, bring in Daniel House, bring in some other guys as well. That's you know, we we joked up in the, in the, the, uh, the last offseason pod, we said the Philly Rockets, that's what we were calling them, yeah. and you know, they kind of get the band back together. Start with Nick, and then we go Michael and, and finish up with Aaron. What's, what's your thoughts on, on Harden? Taking less money, signing the deal, and where do you see the Sixers in, in this Eastern Conference? I think it's a lot of parity. I don't think it's you know one clear cut favorite in that conference. So, uh, where, where, where do you see Philly? I actually yeah, I like the deal, honestly. Um, but I'm gonna be honest. I expect James Harden to have a good year. I know a lot of people are kind of hating on him and everything, and I know that he played bad in that Miami series. But I guess what my scenario is is that you know with Harden basically being that primary playmaker. You know, he doesn't really have to focus on scoring. In my opinion, he'll probably be the third option behind Embiid and possibly um, Tyrese Maxey. So with that being said, is like, you know, all, Har- all Harden has to do is just really focus on the playmaking, getting other guys involved. So 
if they can do that and then you know not have that pressure to really carry the load offensively i think i think i think i think that's the role that he can he can play in now at this stage in his career you know we know all the injuries that have really affected him recently you know obviously the hamstring is that lingering injury that's been bad for him but with the position that he's in in philly i feel like he can still have a pretty good season coming up are we just on Harden, like, what we expect? I think it's great that he took a cut. Uh, I do see Corey saying here that maybe can add adding up next season. But I think it actually shows that he's caring more about the team, and that's probably something that I've always hung over him, that I didn't think he was more of a team player, really. Uh, one episode I was watching today actually was with uh, – uh, excuse me, Draymond Green. They were talking about with James Harden. Uh, back when they uh, was playing them against the Rockets, when the Rockets should have beat them with uh, Chris Paul before he got hurt. But they said that their actually whole scheme on defense was to let James Harden do everything that he wanted to do because he would dribble estimate like 32 times a possession or 32 times a shot clock, we'll say that. And uh, they said that by the end of the fourth quarter, he would be so tired that he couldn't hardly do anything. And if you look back on the tapes, most of those games, they were up by 10 to 15 points every game, but then James Harden would almost lose his steam by the end of the quarter or end of the game, and they would lose. Or he would be a no-show by game seven. So I hope he's learning, you know, as he's maturing here, that he needs to take, I won't say a back seat, but deviate the ball a little bit more instead of trying to be one-person show. I mean, you've got Embiid down there. You've got Maxi. I would like to see him almost play like he did with KD and uh, Kyrie, where he is more of a facilitator with this team. So I'm going to actually say with Tucker on this team, who's defensive-minded, great corner shot, uh, three-point shot, that this team as could be a top t- a top contender for the East this year. I don't want to put all my marbles on that. I'm going to say probably three or four in the East, but I can see them making a good run in, in the playoffs now. So what's your what's your five in the East? Top five or well, top six? I knew you was going to do this. My top <laughs> six in the East. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm going to have uh, my number one. Always. I, I knew you were going to say them first. I just knew it. <laughs> Got to. Has to be, right? Uh, Miami one. Well, see, you can't really wrinkle as of right now. Yeah, not, yeah, no, yeah, no rankers. <laughs> It's you know, okay, man. No, no order specifically, right? But. Because we don't know what Brooklyn's going to be either. Like, I mean, is it going to be KD and Kyrie? Yeah. But I mean, technically, yeah. you kind of got to put them in there if they have Simmons with that three trio. That's going to be a top one or two there. So I'm going to say Miami uh, Bucks, 76ers, uh, Brooklyn, of course. Who am I forgetting? Boston. Is it Boston? Right? Oh yeah, Boston, of course, in that too. Who played great? So. So yeah, I mean, there's a top five right there easily. I don't think I'm. I won't say I'm a hater, but I just don't have uh, hope. I guess in the Atlanta yet. I know they made some trades and different things going on here, but I just. Oh yeah, Corey. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not bringing in these comments. Corey's a big Bucks fan, but I just don't think they're going to be number one, especially if we we do have the Nets with everyone full. So. Miami Bucks. There's my five. I'll just leave it at that. I won't get long winded on that. What about you guys? Yeah, Aaron, go ahead, bro. Man, that's tough. You know, if we're talking about a top six, um, you know, definitely gonna have Philly in there, Brooklyn, Miami, Boston, um, obviously, um, you know, Milwaukee. That sixth spot, I think, is where it gets interesting. 
Um, I think I think Atlanta could be at least six. I, I think you know with that Dejounte Murray trade that gives them uh, fills in one of their biggest weaknesses was was the defense, and then they, they also get another option to play off a of tray. Uh, there's going to be a learning curve with that, but I think if they can figure it out, then I mean I think they killed two birds with one stone with that trade as far as offensively because Dejounte got a taste of playing more on ball and being more uh, of a primary shot creator uh, last year, so he has that experience. So you pair that with his all defensive capabilities, you you can shield Trey a little bit more. So he's not getting, you know, just hounded, you know, as far as like trying to defend guys. Um, I think that can put them in the mix. Um, you know, they, I think it with um, DeAndre Hunter has a healthier season this time around. Um, they have another good perimeter defender. I think they just have, they're getting to round out that roster in a good way. So I want to put them in the top six for sure. Um, Specifically, when it comes to the Harden deal, I mean, I'm think I'm really impressed by it because, mm. like Michael was saying, you know, it kind of shows his, you know, commitment to the team specifically. Uh, you know, taking a pay cut. I mean, 14, 15 million dollars is not a small amount of money. That's not pocket change. Uh, but the big thing about that was the fact that by taking that pay cut, it put them far enough under the tax that it opened up the full mid level, and that's how they got PJ Tucker. So if he doesn't do that there's a chance that they don't get P.J. Tucker because Miami probably – I'm thinking if the Sixers didn't have that money, that P.J. would have re-signed with Miami because I, I think that's what kind of swayed him. I don't think anybody else was going to offer him $10 million over three years. I think that's what kind of pushed them over the top. So by Harden doing this, I think they got P.J. And by doing that, you weakened an opponent, an uh, in-conference opponent, because as of today, they haven't filled the void – that PJ has left going to the Sixers. Mm -hmm. So you kind of did it not only to bolster your roster, but to weaken an opponent, you know, not a starting four that they no longer have on their team. So I think that puts the Sixers a little bit above the heat. I think that puts them in the top, honestly, maybe top three. You know, when you pair that with the with the Daniel House signing, that was a big time deal too. With Harden recommitting to the team, it looks like he wants to get back into proper shape and be uh, a bigger having a bigger impact that he did last season. The sky's the limit for them. So that's my top six, and I'm super impressed by the Harden deal. And um, just keep in mind that the Sixers only have about three million left to play with, because when you use the mid-level exception or you use the biannual, and they used both, then you activate that hard cap, which is six million over the tax line. So at 156, they can't go past that for any reason. So if they want to sign somebody, they're going to have to keep to the minimums or whatever because they can't go over that $156 million line. But as of today, they have a nice roster. They stayed under the line. And uh, respect to Harden because that's not an easy thing to do, taking a pay cut like that. That's that's respect right there. Yeah, he, yeah, I definitely salute them. Again, it's it's the same thing with Westbrook. It's like what, what, what do you want the, the end of your career to look like? What do you want your story to be? The beginning of their careers so dynamic. What they've done, MVPs, put up a bunch of stats, broke so many records. But and then there's the always there, there's the but after after that. What Wait, have they done in the playoffs? Was you talking about LeBron or Westbrook there? <laughs> I'm nah, sorry. Nah, definitely oh. definitely Russ right. and, and Harden. That's. That's the thing that they haven't been able to do in the playoffs. They've they've been team they've teamed up with multiple Hall of Famers over the course of their career, and they and every time the come postseason comes around, they just aren't able to get to that get over the hump. And for Harden, this is this is prime prime opportunity to play with one of the best players in the NBA, Joel Embiid, 
going to be an MVP candidate for for the rest of his career. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I picked him to win MVP. You understand people picking Jokic, and but I, I thought he, I thought, I thought Embiid did it from the course of from the beginning of the season without Ben to when it got hard and he still played at a high level. But I think he'll definitely get one um, soon. But for Harden, yeah, it's, it's, it's what do you, you a championship for for Harden? I mean, it, it just. It, we, we we talk about him completely differently if he gets that chip. So if he's able to do that, and and, and again in a conference that has a lot of parity, uh, it's not it's not a clear cut favorite like it's used to like like we were accustomed to seeing back when Brown was back in the Eastern Conference. Saw the Bucks just go there. We saw the we just saw the Celtics this year. It, anybody anybody could get there. Anybody could get there. It's a multitude of talent with those teams everybody just mentioned and. I agree. I think Harden should definitely kind of play that point guard role. He's getting up there in age. And also, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, too. He, you know, wasn't healthy with the hamstring. Seemed to have been dealing with that over the last two years or so, ever since Brooklyn, um, ever since that Brooklyn series. He seems to be healthy, looking at some pictures, seems to be in shape and ready to go for, for this season. And and also, lastly, Doc Rivers. I mean, <laughs> this guy hasn't been out was, the second. This guy hasn't been out the second. I was second just about round. to mention him. Yeah, he hasn't been out the second round since he was the coach of the Celtics. <laughs> so it's a long time ago. <laughs> yep. So uh, it's, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on, on on these guys to to get it done and produce. But I think they have a, a quality team to do so. And <coughs> we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But, you know, Harden has to be that catalyst. And then also looking forward to seeing what Maxi does in year three, taking that next step and kind of being that possibly that second scoring option behind Joel Embiid. All right. Let's transition to uh unfortunately <laughs> the Knicks Donovan Mitchell talks I know you're ready for this man it's getting spicy in here yeah you know I can't even I can't even be on Twitter now because if it just every everybody's brings up Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks just for the Knicks for the clicks apparently there was a deal in place Knicks. a couple days ago Knicks Knicks for clicks yes yeah, so it's alive and well uh, <laughs> so hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, real quick, CJ. I want to ask you: Is around yeah. five, six, seven first round picks from the Knicks worth getting for Donovan Mitchell? In my opinion, no. In okay. my opinion, no. Um, I'm gonna pull up the the, the image uh, shortly, but Jazz put an offer out there. It was what three? It was it was quickly topping Grimes, McBride, and I think six first round picks oh for Donovan for Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> He's not, he's not KD. Like, I don't uh, know why people are thinking that he's worth all these picks. TJ, yeah. you, how many picks are you throwing in a package like that? How many picks, pick swaps? How would you range that? Man, I'm, I'm saying four, maybe. I mean, I, I just That's feel like, I I feel like they'll, go bear, they'll go bear trade really, really messed it up. It, it really yeah, messed it up for, for, the, yeah. for, for a team like the Knicks because Minnesota, they just, you know, they sold so high. And I mean, I don't know, man. God only knows what what the offer was before they signed off on the deal that they actually had. It was probably like eight, and they were like, you know, like, you want all of them, <laughs> yeah, you want all of them yeah. for the next decade. Just yeah, let's, yeah, let's just get let's get all your picks, you know, till the end of time for Gobert. Well, what if that was their first option? You know, that was their first look, deal. Like, looking at what they, five picks, yeah, looking yeah. at what age, looking at what age. It's wild, but. I just again, he's a great player, great scorer. He's in his prime, twenty about to turn twenty six years old. Dynamic scorer, um, little little inconsistent at times, 
little inconsistent at times. Didn't have the didn't have the best postseason this year. Obviously, that bubble season when he averaged like thirty seven um, in the first round, he went crazy. Him and Gobert, we we all all, all four of us know that you know that was going to come to an end. It was going to be one or two of those guys that were going to end up getting shipped out. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. You know, seven first round picks for Donovan Mitchell. Personally, as a Knicks fan, it's like. You know, if, if we don't get them, cool. If we do, great. But I just feel like it needs to be the right deal. It needs to be the right situation. You don't want to get fleeced by by Danny Ainge. He's already fleeced Minnesota. He already fleeced Bobby Marks back in 2013 in that Nets deal um, with, with the Celtics. And, you know, the guys that that, that those guys turned out to be and those and those picks. So uh, I'm, I'm staying patient with it. I think they have, a, you know, some solid young guys that I wish Tom Thibodeau would play. But, you know, those guys only get in about three minutes a quarter. So it's tough to really tell what what those young guys are going to be because uh, you got a stubborn head coach. So uh, I, I'm, for me, it's just like play the, play the guys that you have, develop them. They're cheaper. <laughs> you still you still have everything. You're still flexible. Push comes to shove. If something else presents itself, if a player is like, you know what, I want out, you know, we, we see this all the time. It's, this is the new NBA. Player is going to get unhappy. They're going to come out and say, you know, I don't want to play here. And you're setting yourself up for a potential spot where you could get another guy in a much better deal than giving up potentially nine players for one player. It's, it's ridiculous. So uh, I, would, I wouldn't do that. So, uh, so what if number 30 was a part of that deal? Say yes. I mean, again, it's it's like it's to me. To me, it's it's just it's not even about the it's about the picks. It's like seven. seven That's true. First, yeah, seven, seven first round picks, and I know they have eleven um, over the next you know few few years or so. So of course, all of those picks wouldn't wouldn't be the Knicks' picks. They have some picks. They have the Dallas pick, the twenty twenty three Dallas pick. They collected some picks in the draft when when they when they moved back in. Um, with the 11th pick. So they have flexibility. The options aren't there. It's not like they're giving their entire future to Utah. But uh, again, I just stay patient. I'm glad Leon Rose, World Wide West, those guys, you know, they, you know, they didn't just automatically pull the trigger right away. They got Jalen Brunson. Let's see where the team could go with a, with a point guard. Let's see if Randall could get somewhat to where he was um, two years ago. With a you know with a with a, with, with a more productive point guard and, and see what happens and then after next season then you could probably make a move so I'm not I, I, again I'm not pressuring for 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 Mitchell. a lot of Nick fans you know they're fiending for a star they they did they 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 traded the farm for Melo and we saw how that worked out and you know it didn't it didn't it only resulted into what one one second round appearance getting boxed out in the second round throughout the entire time Melo was there so. Yeah, I'll just stay patient. I think they're doing a great job of developing the young guys and just keep what they got right now. Which, what's your guys' thoughts on, on this uh, Knicks Donovan Mitchell fiasco? <laughs> I'm kind of where you were at, man. Just I've been going back and forth with people about Mitchell's value in a trade, and yeah, I just don't think he's worth six, seven round, six, seven first round picks. Because if we go back and I've seen these comments by Corey, you know, he's dropping the the trade value. You know, I'm going back to the Paul George trade and, you know, we're going back to the Anthony Davis trade and all these other trades. And those are five, like five first round picks, you know, there's pick swaps and stuff, but if like, that's the, the, the bar, it's like, why is Mitchell six and seven? I don't understand. The math is not adding up there. So, you know, that's why I get at four, I get four pick swaps a few good players with, with high upside. I mean, we, we've seen in limited samples that top in and quickly can be very good players. They just don't play that much, like you're saying, CJ, with 
Thibodeau is a coach, you know, you're not going to play more than maybe 20 minutes a game or something. But I mean, (laughs) if that 15, 18, something like that, and it changes. But obviously, they're really very talented players. And I think given the right opportunity, Cam Reddish, I'm still a huge fan of Cam Reddish. He just doesn't get the opportunities that I think he should get. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we're looking at like six first round picks. I'm like, this is not a tier one player. Is he a tier two player? Because tier two is like Jimmy Butler, right? Guys like Paul that. George, right. Maybe Paul, Paul George and maybe Towns or something like that. I don't even think he's tier two. So if he's I two agree. and a half, three, he's definitely not worth six round picks, six first round picks. Probably not even five. So that's where I get four and then pick swaps and then several <clears throat> promising players. I think is a fair return. But it's like everything else in this world right now, everything else is getting inflated. It's like inflation is at the NBA. What used to be, what you used to be able to buy with five first round picks, now costs you seven, and what used to cost three now costs five, and and stuff like that. And it's like you guys are saying, it's like the Gobert trade just warped the market. So for me, it's just like I don't know. It's just things are so out of proportion right now that it's like hard to make sense of like what's fair and what's not. But I, I know for sure that anything more than four, like even five, is stretched for me. But I think over four is really just not adequate value for a guy like that because like do you guys think that mitchell is your number one option can win you a championship nope no nope. nope. we just saw it in utah nope yeah exactly and, and even even if he were to even if he were to pull up to to new york i, I never I, I didn't expect him to be a number one option we already saw it in in utah for what five years so and randall's randall's not a number one option rj's not a number one option so it's just a bunch of. You don't think RJ can be a number one option? I, I got it. I, I personally I think he can. I have to see more, bro. I have Maybe to see. Not more. now. I don't think right now. He's, 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 young. Like, he's, he's young. He's on a team with a you know ball dominant power forward. As I was saying, like maybe maybe with the right team, he possibly could. He he could he could, but he also has to improve to be a number one option for me. You got to make free throws, and he's not. He's 71, 70 something percent. That's to me. That's not good enough to be a because yeah. you got to close. If you you have to close games, now. that's true. Exactly. If you're gonna be a number one guy, you got to be able to close games, and yeah. um, I just don't see that. I don't. I just don't see that yet. But um, Corey Corey saying Mitchell and Booker in the same place. I mean, yeah, yeah. As far as rankings, I, I, I would, I would say so. I would say so. I think I just have Booker slightly above. Mitchell. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think, I think Booker is just like slightly better. Yeah. Okay. Here's how I kind of feel in this whole situation. So because I've been, trying, both three. I've been trying to buy a card of Mitchell's because I think he's going to get out and he's going to excel big time. That's because you got a crush on him too. No, no. I mean, that he's a little patchy. Handsome players in NBA. You see that little gap he's got right there in the beard? You know, I mean, I just don't do it. <laughs> but uh, he's not a tier one handsome player. He's tier two. Tier two. So I mean, that's only three draft picks. But no, for real. Uh, I just feel like he's the kind of player that can be dominant and be a number one option for a team. It's just the Jazz look at their number two option. Like, I mean, who are you going to say was their number two option? Gobert, Gobert. I mean, he's more of a defensive guy. Like, I mean, yeah, he can bully ball someone on the post, but that's not really how the NBA is. So, I think if he can get on a team that is a fast pace, got some wings that he can kick it out to, spread open that middle in the paint a lot, we're going to see Mitchell taking off a lot more. I, me personally, so I do think that he's going to be a much better player wherever he gets traded to. Uh, 
I feel like his cards would be dirt cheap right now because nobody even cares about Utah. So why not get that card where it's cheap? But I can't ever find a good one to make a deal on. So I'm I actually think he'll end up in Miami. Who would have thought? But wherever he goes, I think it's going to be great for his value in oh, Booker or Mitchell. Mitchell, Mitchell. Oh, okay, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I mean. Mitchell and my Mitchell and Miami. That's 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 of course that's a great spot, and I feel like you know Miami they they could use that that second perimeter scoring option, um, you know. But you know, Ben. So who are they be, trading though? Like who are they trading? Hero. I'm just saying that I think that Mitchell is a great player and can be a one option. Batman is not the greatest person if if Robin is not a good number two. We've only seen we've only seen one guard in the last what. Like 20, 20, 20 years or so, uh, be you know be the number one option, and that's and that's Curry. Uh, under 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 six five. Right, okay. I mean, under I'm six five. I'm, I'm totally with you, but I do feel like y'all are. I don't know, having a little beef with him here, saying that he can't be the number one option because his number one option that we've seen, to in my opinion, anyways, with the Jazz is almost like he's the number one, two, and possibly three options for offense. And, yeah, I'm being a little extreme there. But Utah, they've had a great fluid offense as a team, but they don't really have anyone that can just take over or close out a game other than Mitchell. So, I mean, if it's two points left to go or eight seconds left to go in the game, you're down or your team's up by two playing Utah, all your focus is going to be on Mitchell as far as stopping him, and you're not really worried too much. Like, you want your second, their second best player we're talking about, Gobert, to have it to try to score, right? So I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that's going to be one thing when he can get somewhere where his bat, his Robin, his number two may be someone better than what he's had in uh, Utah. That we're going to see him flourish. I can see, yeah, I can see where you're saying that. I, I, I could agree with that. I could agree with uh, that. Yeah, you can because knowledge can dropping right here, man. I'm calling. I just, I, I just I, I, don't I, think it would be that much improved in in uh, New York because I honestly think that as far as like his supporting cast. Like, yeah, individually they weren't, like, the highest-tier players, but I just think they all fit perfectly together because they they had the number one offense, I believe. Um, you know, if it wasn't last year, they were pretty close. And then as far as the three-point shooting, they were tops in the league. And New York, it's the opposite. I mean, you're playing with RJ. You're playing with, playing with Mitchell Robinson. You're playing with Randall. Like, I think that that whole equation is just kind of flipped. Like, individually, probably better players, but I think the fit is less optimal. So I, yeah. I'm not necessarily like going to automatically say he's going to average 28 points a game. He's going to be way right. better because I, I just think his spots are – he's not going to have as much space to operate with. And that's exactly. where he's because he loves to get downhill. He's a super athletic guy. He loves to kind of get space off of screens and pull up and stuff. So I just think yeah. that's going to be a little bit harder to come by because, like, we were just talking about RJ. Like, he's not that efficient. Like, he's not going to be a great shooter. Randall, I mean, a lot of people are saying like that season two years ago is a fluke because he had the great shooting percentages and then he just kind of went back down to earth. And then Mitch Robinson is a non-factor. He's like another Gobert almost in a sense yep. of work. So I'm yep. like, I don't, I don't know if that's the best place for him as far as like fit and kind of becoming even better player. I just don't know if that supporting cast is going to really allow him to be that kind of player that he was in Utah from a spacing perspective. Yeah, you'd have, you'd have to get you'd have to get rid of uh, you'd have to get rid of Randall because well, I. Listen, man. I, I'm for me clean slate because it looks like he's going to be on that the team next year. Hate Randall. No, I don't. I don't hate Randall. I just didn't like the way he played, bro. That's what I mean. Find me. Corey, you got a uh, Donovan Mitchell guard <coughs> card you can sell just, me. 
I just wasn't a, I just wasn't a fan of the other way he played. I felt like he he sold a lot of games for us last year. Could have easily went to the playoffs. Um, Thirty seven games. It was like from from January to March. You know, they were four and sixteen. <laughs> like you know, that's that's ridiculous. And against against dirt teams, lottery teams, teams that had you know top five picks in the draft this year. You know, losing against those type of squads. And you know, I think the way he played played a part in that. Got a point guard now, and Brunson had a great postseason, great year. So we'll see if that changes some things. I agree with you, spacing wise, it, it's tough. And and I haven't seen Randall ever play off the ball, so um, it's tough for me to say. It's tough for me to say that you know that's going to work if he can't play off the ball. For me, great players they're able to play on the ball and off the ball. And um, you know he's a good player, but he can't. Play, if you can't play off the ball, it's going to be tough to win. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not gonna always have the you're not gonna have the basketball every time. That's why that's why the Hawks went and got Dejounte Murray because they want to play Trey Young more off the ball because they saw what Miami did to him and it trapped the hell out of him and he you know had a terrible series exactly and clo- exactly they closed the court up for him and made it small and he struggled and that's why he had a he had a, he had a terrible round one. So if he like again if he pulls up great if the deal is right, but if not, again, I'm, I'm, I like what the Knicks have and I like how they're building through the draft. And um, I just want to see those guys play. I think they could be pretty productive. Grimes, McBride, Toppin quickly. When those guys get on the court and get confidence, because you got to play, you got to, you got to have confidence. Like <laughs> that's the only way you could get better is you have confidence. The guy's taking you out after one mistake. Like how, how are you supposed to, how are you supposed to get, how are you supposed to develop? How are you supposed to get better? You, you know, you make one mistake and the guy putting Randall back in for the next 20 minutes. Like how, yeah. how is that, how is that yeah. guy supposed to grow? It's, it's ridiculous. It but like exactly. Yeah, it doesn't, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. And that's why it's always been a cap on, on Thibodeau's career. He, he's just a limit on, on his coaching success because of the stubbornness. But um, all right, let's, let's transition to another, another topic where it, it really started a few months ago with on, on first take with JJ Redick oh, and, 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 and Bob and Bob Cousy. <laughs> and, and, well, it, was J, it was JJ Redick and, and Matt Dog Russo. Um, just talking to and, and, and Russo, he's a he's your typical, I guess, old head and likes bringing up the 60s and the 50s NBA. And you know, it looked like JJ Redick got a little triggered and you know said, you know, the old guys are you know plumbers and, and firemen and Cousy couldn't dribble with his left hand. Dis- disrespectful type stuff. I'm not gonna lie. I would feel disrespectful. I'm Bob Cousy. I feel disrespected by somebody said that, said that about me yeah, really. after all the acc- accolades he got. <laughs> um, so then Jerry West um, is, is interviewed this weekend on SiriusXM uh, NBA uh, Twitter um, account, and you know they ask him about the situation and gonna try to see here if we could pull this clip up for you guys. See if we can hear the audio. Just give me one second. Oh, look at us with audio too. <laughs> Going places. It's trying, man. Trying. Vegas. All right. Just say Vegas. <laughs> All, right. All right. Here's Jerry West. JJ, recently retired, said that Bob Cousy played against uh, firemen and plumbers, and Bob came on and, and was not And you you played in that era, and those guys set the table for us uh, to be where we are today. And I was just interested in your thoughts on, on comments like that about your generation and the generations that, that paved the way. Well, um, 
obviously the game is completely different. The athletes are completely different. And I know JJ uh, just a little bit. He's a very smart kid and everything. But tell me what his career looked like. Oh, what did he mm. do that was that determined games? He averaged what? He averaged twelve points a game in the league. <laughs> um, somewhere along the way, numbers count. At that point in time, the players aren't what they used to be. Um, JD certainly wasn't going to guard the elite players. And so you can nitpick anyone. And I'm, I'm not, the only reason I'm talking about him is because he was not an elite player, but he was a very good player. And he had a place on the team because of his ability to shoot the ball. But uh, those players at that era, and, and again, that was when I started to see the, the difference in athleticism. Um, you know, my era. I was an athlete way before my time. I had a huge vertical. Um, probably no one in the league was, was much faster than me. And certainly the competitive part of it, I would put my myself among any player to play the game today also. Winning is all matter. That's what drove me. And I suddenly got better every year. We didn't have the facilities to get better. We had to work in the summers to support our families. But AJ should be very thankful that he's made as much money as he's made. And Bob Cousy, who I played against a couple of years, not very long, um, I just think it's very disrespectful myself. I don't mind his comments. I don't mind his comments because I feel like I feel like Which we one? do disrespect DJs. No, 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 like oh, Jerry West. Like I don't, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind his comments because I do think that to a degree we all kind of disrespect like the NBA, like before the '80s and the '70s, like a little bit too much because you know we obviously look at John Stockton. Oh my god, mm-hmm. that's another topic for another day. But you know, like we look at it basically like you know, Bill Bill won eleven championships in the '60s going up against Wilt. So like you know, we only view Wilt as like that true competition, and you know that's how we view it as. As I guess, you know, pretty easy because we look at it as, you know, the competition just wasn't there. Now, obviously, the game, like, obviously, obviously, like, like Jerry said, you know, the game is a lot different now. Players are way more athletic than what they were before. But I think we do kind of, kind of like disrespect the 60s and 70s just a little bit too much to a degree. Yeah, Michael, what's your thoughts on uh, old school versus new school? And <clears throat> this is, uh, I guess I am the old head here in this group. Uh, I understand what JJ is saying. I do think it is disrespectful. Uh, I even liked what he kind of responded, like, you know, they weren't making the money that they do now. They couldn't dedicate basically. You mean Jerry? Yeah, Jerry. Oh no, no, no! I'm saying I understand what JJ was saying as far as that. I I do get what he's saying. I do think it's disrespectful what he said, but I understand what he's saying. Like, they had to support their families, but. That's why they couldn't be great, you know. They were supporting their family, so I I do think it's completely disrespectful what he's saying. I understand what he's saying, but I, I like uh, Jerry's comeback to it as far as like you know we didn't have the facilities because you guys we've all played sports growing up at least to some level. Like there's practices almost every day that you have to go to, workouts that you have to go to. Like you almost are basically committing your life to the sport until you finally quit. I did play one year of college basketball where we 
pretty much had practice every day, uh, lifted weights early mornings as well. And I decided, hey, college basketball wasn't for me. Now, when I say that, guys, it's not like it was NCAA or anything like that. It was it was a lot lower than that. But, hey, I played. So, there comes well, Michael played at Duke University. No, don't you dare say Duke with me. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, no. We want to start something. No, I mean – in a way, I'm going to say it's like the founding fathers, you know, they're the ones that gave us what we have now, you know, and they even made sacrifices back then to play the game from their families where they should be supporting back then. So, yeah, uh, yeah, they lacked the talent. I won't use the word talent. They had skills that were underdeveloped. Let me say it that way, because I honestly think if they had the facilities, the education or the uh, technology we had now back then they probably would have been able to do it too if they could make the money that they make at it now because they could dedicate their whole life to it i mean you think wilt what he was doing at his size i mean if he had today's technology wow that's all yeah. i'm gonna say i saw so, i mean even julius Irvin, who i say on here a, a lot Dr. J does not get enough credit of how athletic he was. So I can't say that they didn't have the skills. They just Who didn't have him? I, I, I feel like a lot of media don't really have them ranked as high as he should be. The dude jumped from behind the backboard and brought it around. Like, it is beautiful to watch how he does he that. MJ before MJ. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I just feel like if they had the technology they do now, I think the era would have already been where it is now. So – yeah, they were athletes back then. They just they were at the top of the game as far as it was developed back then, you know. So I don't know how we can really badmouth them. And it happens in baseball too a lot with my other show. Like, yeah, Babe Ruth he hit the home run that he pointed out, but he also threw so many pitches and it's only going fifty miles per hour. That was fast back then, you know. That's all they had. They just fought a war and came back to play baseball. You know what do you expect them to do? So I don't know. I just think it's crazy. I do like his semi-shot at J.J., like, and of all people, J.J., like, I mean, he had a long career playing defense, you know, the the sharp shooter and everything. But it'd be a little different if it's coming from someone like Giannis, maybe Joel Embiid, you know, LeBron, somewhere like that. Okay, now we can kind of understand a little bit. But it's J.J. Redick, like, <laughs> that was hilarious. He averaged 12 points a, a game, like. <laughs> Return fire. <laughs> yeah. It's the logo. The logo. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally. Out, yeah. In all arguments, I bet you that's what he says. Like, what are we having for dinner? Uh, no, I want McDonald's. No, honey, I don't want McDonald's. I'm the logo. Okay. <laughs> okay it's McDonald's. Yeah, I don't Aaron, know what your all thoughts. Yeah, Aaron, what's your thoughts, man? Uh, pretty much, pretty much in agreement with what Michael was saying. Um, definitely think it's disrespectful to kind of say I, I don't think it's what he said i think it's like the way he framed it the way he spent right. it saying that because like yeah they are per were probably plumbers and firefighters or whatever they had other careers because it had to but you say it as like instead of saying it in a way that you're just stating a fact he kind of spend it to be uh like a negative derogatory it's yeah. yeah very derogatory just seeing these guys like oh they weren't really athletes they were average working citizens and you know whatever but i'm like these guys i'm sure these guys were very capable as you know what was said before like i'm sure they had great athleticism they had the capabilities to pick up a lot of these skills and things like that they just didn't have as many opportunities 
So I am kind of against JJ in that respect, kind of spinning it that way. Um, definitely did get a kick out of Jerry's response. Uh, you know, who are you to say this stuff about these guys? Like, you know, would you do much better than them? Or, you know, did you do much better than they did in their careers? Uh, I think what we do a lot too much in the NBA community is try to cross match across different eras. It's not really fair because there's different circumstances in certain eras. Like we're saying, like these guys don't have the athletic facilities. They don't have the opportunities that they have today. Uh, so I don't think it's fair to say like, well, well, this guy from the 2010s would dominate in 1965. Yeah, probably would. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, okay. you know, it's just, I don't think it's fair. I think we have to evaluate players in the era they're playing in. You know, MJ, evaluate him from 80s, 90s, early 2000s. LeBron, 20, you know, tw- 2000s to now and kind of keep it that way. Uh, I think we should do a better job at appreciating greatness instead of trying to kind of put this player on a pedestal and discredit this player. Cause I think that's what happens. It's like when you try to compare guys in different eras, you, you start to discredit somebody that played in the sixties or seventies before all these advancements came out. Uh, you put them down, disrespect them. And I don't, I don't think it's fair for them. And I think it's a disservice to the history of the game and what they contributed that allowed us to have what we have today. Like you guys were saying before. So, you know, I like to see a little bit less of that and more, kind of respect given to them for what they've done for our game. Yeah, they didn't do the same things they did today. They weren't doing Kyrie Irving layups and dribbles in 1962. Like, it's just simple. But at the same time, for their era, the things that they did against their competition is still very impressive, and I think it deserves a ton of credit for what they did. The Bob Cousy's and these other guys, uh, even the guys that are on the 75th anniversary team that, like, no one knows who they are. Like, they're like, who is this guy 70 that made the team we don't even know who they are yeah. uh you know they still deserve respect because what they did in their era was very impressive and mm-hmm. uh, i think it goes beyond just stats i think it goes also to like their impact on the game overall like they're the pioneers and the you know the founding fathers like michael was saying so all that i think plays a part so that's kind of my take on it uh just like to see us kind of be a little bit more respectful to the prior eras and not try to cross match as much as we do because I, I think you kind of lose the how special those guys were in their era and what they did against their competition. Respect I your elders. Absolutely. Right. I, I just started thinking. I was like, does anybody like remember like where the JJ Redding Mad Dog conversation like even stemmed from? Like, were they like comparing Bob Cousy to somebody like Chris Paul or something? Yeah, they were talking about. Yeah, he was talking about point guards and. And then Mad Dog was like, he's, you know, he's no, come on, like he's no Bob Cousy. And then, and that's when JJ got triggered and was like, Bob, Bob Cousy can't even dribble with his left hand. And, oh, he's, okay. and then he, that's when he started going off and, and saying, that, yeah, they play with, you know, firemen and, and plumbers. You got, you got to, you got to respect the elders. Like, listen, like pretty much I, I agree. I, I'm shocked. I thought, I thought it was going to be at least one of us to say, uh, you know, who's, you know, Jerry West would get, you know, is, would get cooked and he wasn't that good. And if JJ played in this era. What who, I, who did you think would say that? I have no idea. I kept a, kept an open mind with it. I was unsure <laughs> I mean, who, who would say it. But if we're gonna keep it a bean, if we're gonna keep it a bean, I mean Jerry West against like Dwayne Wade. It's like you know who would y'all have? 
Oh, Jerry yeah, West. But, but then, it, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. with the with the cross with the cross switching. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's tough yeah. to really to really right. do that. But that's the thing. Like, you know, keep everybody in their era, basically. Like, you know, the guys in yeah. the '60s, they they played their role. The guys now are doing their thing as well. Yeah, but when, when you, got, you got these when you got these like so called like basketball analysts, right? And then they talk about, um, you know, they like they try to disrespect the OGs in the game, and and they act like you know basketball only started after 1990. It's like, you know, yeah. come on, like you gotta you gotta show more respect to the game. Because at the end of the day, those guys that were they probably were firemen and plumbers because they you know they couldn't afford you know they had they had to be the second yeah, they had to be like so right. just, you know, and that's the thing though, because it's like you know, the guys, the guys who played a little bit after, like for example, like the eighties, like Magic Larry, like you know, so they were they were obviously inspired by like the Jerry's, the Bill Russell's right. of those right. guys. So somebody exactly they needed somebody they watched somebody to make them fall in love with the game. And those and those were the guys that, you know, preceded them. So yeah. I you know, I think I just think JJ was just triggered. You know, he's kind of emotional. And you know, he goes on the he goes on the he goes on his rant. I think it was a bit. show. Yeah, it's just entertain it was entertainment, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's like, you know, you still gotta you still gotta respect you gotta respect the game. I mean, that game's given him so much and he's made a lot of money because of those guys. I mean, because of the, you know how they paved they paved the way for you know the, the sport to be entertaining enough for people to to put butts in seats and people to pay for tickets to pull up to these arenas and facilities. So it's just a respect it's a respect factor there. And uh, I just think again, you know, you try to I was looking at NBA Twitter and everybody's like, you know. I, I NBA Twitter is so toxic. It's, it's so bad. And it's full of like thirteen-year-old kids, bro, who started watching yeah, basketball yeah, like the yeah, year yeah, that the Cavs came back for three-one or whatever. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah, it's very it's very lazy. It's very lazy, and um, it's just it's just sad. I mean, it don't it don't take nothing to really just just really do your homework on, on the game of basketball and, and look at these guys. NBA TV. I don't know if they still. They used to show how hardwood classics all the time. They used to show those throwbacks. They still do. That's that's how I felt. That's how I fell in love with the game. You know, watching the, watching stuff like that on, on on those channels, appreciating the OGs, and and then also you know games like NBA Streets when they used to bring up bring, bring back the old players, and, and that's that's how you know I think two K twelve they had the old uh, school guys on on the, com- on the on the commercial. So yeah. that's how I fell in love with the game of basketball. So I, I think right. I mean, these people we fall in love with the. Debate world, you know, Shannon and Skips. Game breaker right now. Game it's honestly, it's honestly game good that you point that out because, like, I remember just being like 10, 11 years old, you know, NBA offseason. You know, obviously, I, I was upset that the season ended, but I remember going on NBA TV just watching like the Bulls in the 90s, the Lakers in the 80s, or whoever in the 70s. And the whatever. Lakers in the Boston like, series. Exactly. So it was like, you know, if you ask like a person like 11, 12 today, like, do they remember? Reggie Miller scored eight points in eight seconds. Like, they're like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do they even know about that? Do they know about, um, MJ's flu game or whatever, like you know what I mean. It's like you know, I don't know. I just feel like you know a lot of people. Houston, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's they, yeah, again, like I said, they're lazy, and you know, we grew up in this, you know, we grew up in this debate world where it's like you know, it's you say a lot of things without context, and that's and that's exactly what NBA Twitter is, just talking without context and, and respect. Uh, like I'm turning into the dad here, so I won't stay on it most. But like respect yeah. in this younger generation, like that's, we know that's not a thing anymore. So no, it's not. It's a dying thing, and it's a shame because yeah, I just it's like we're saying, it's like the guys, the people that came before us. It's like got to respect them because you know they don't they didn't play the same as the guys do today, but their impact was just as great, if yeah. not greater, than who's playing right now. So you exactly. have to you got to be giving props for that. Exactly. Show love to the evolution of the game. Um, all right, let's go to notable NBA free agents left. Um, you know, obviously, 
there was some big guys that got signed in the beginning of free agency, but it's a couple, speaking of old heads, <laughs> there's some old heads left that could potentially, you know, make an impact on, on some contenders. Just want to get your, get your thoughts with that. Can uh, we believe DeAndre Jordan is still getting signed on the team? That's crazy. Where did, where did he get? Where did I he think he went to, yeah, Denver, yeah. Denver, Denver. okay. That was my mind. <laughs> that man was, that man was washed. Which is crazy, especially after Boogie just had a pretty good year with them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I thought Boogie would be the one coming back. Yeah. Um, Which he's not signed either. Mm. Yeah, so we got we got some guys here. Colin Sexton, uh, I mean, they offered him reportedly they offered him three years over 40. He said he wasn't, you know, wasn't too happy with, with the contract he received. I got injured last year with the torn meniscus, was out for the entire season. Where where do you see Colin Sexton? You see him going back to Cleveland, or you see some teams like maybe Dallas, some other teams that potentially might might need a scoring guard, a scoring option where he could contribute. I'll start with Michael and then go all the way down. I don't think he'll be back as a Cavalier. I'll say that at least. Now, where, I don't know. Uh, it definitely, of course, we'll probably be repeating this stuff quite a bit. It kind of falls in dominoes, who's going to be signed elsewhere or traded, you know, with Kyrie and all, all that stuff as well. Even what we talked about earlier with uh, Donovan Mitchell, could he be an option for the Knicks, even with the Dallas? I kind of like both of those options there a little bit, but I do like him going to Dallas to help out there. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't see him going back to Cleveland. I mean, Cle- Cleveland's been trying to trade him for like the last like two to three years, anyways. So, you know, this is just kind of an opportunity for him to like look elsewhere for another opportunity. Especially now, you know, I think they just re-signed Rubio as well. They have Rubio, obviously Darius Garland, who had a most improved type season this past year, and then they got other guys that have, yeah, Karis Avert as well. So, I think you know with Colin Sexton's lack of like you know being a consistent perimeter scorer, I think that kind of like puts him in um, in a difficult position being on the Cleveland team. So. You know, Dallas is definitely a good option. Um, I thought I heard San Antonio as well. I can't exactly remember, but I just know that Colin Sexton just just needs to have a, uh, another opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, so that's you what I was thinking. You should take a prove it deal, a one year. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Like a one year, I don't know, 15, 18 mil, you know, given that you know, most of the money he's looking for. I'm sure he wants 20, upwards in the $20 million range, but maybe a slight pay cut, one year. Um one plus one, something like that, maybe with a team option, and um, give him the opportunity to get back to full strength. Uh, I think San Antonio would be a good spot for him to kind of just immediately be in the rotation, be a starter, have plenty of opportunities, uh, play for a team with very low uh, expectations, low pressure. So you just go out there, just ball, score 20-plus points a game, high efficiency, as he did um, the season before last where he was healthy, and uh, do that again, and then, you know, kind of use that as a springboard into his next contract um, going into his next season. So that's my expectation. I don't know if anybody wants to sign him for a multi-year deal right now because the Spurs have the clean slate and then most other teams don't need a guy like that in their rotation, like a starting guard, that very ball dominant, um, not a great facilitator, gets tunnel vision, uh, not a great defender. So I think going to a team like San Antonio that kind of really can afford to have him have a season where he's just Maybe he's not as good as he was before, or you know, maybe he just kind of he's not that defender or whatever. They can afford to bring him in, both from a financial perspective and from an encore perspective, and not really suffer at all from it. So that's my guess as to what happens, and uh, I think it's his best interest to take a proven deal, um, just because I don't think there's going to be much out there in terms of long term. Maybe a team like Cleveland, you know, three years, but at that point you're taking less money. 
So better to get that one year, have a good season, and then go back into free agency, um, get another opportunity to get a longer-term deal once you show that you're back at full strength after that injury last season. Yeah, sexy. He's, he's such in a tough spot because, one, he's restricted. So he's not like some of these other guys where he could just go go where he wants. <clears throat> and teams, I'm, I'm shocked. You know, teams really haven't given offered him any any type of deal. He's a relatively young guy. He should he just in a, in a tough situation because the year that he doesn't play, the Cavs had their best season since LeBron and, and Kyrie were there. So um, it, it's it's very difficult for him and you know obviously his value probably decreased because of what happened last year and how how successful cleveland was without him i i agree with those teams i think those teams would be would be good spots for him i mean, honestly maybe any anywhere really i mean just just so he could get on the court get some just so teams could really just show like so he could show teams okay i'm back here's what i could do and then also um similar to what, what aaron said as well is just show that you could do a little bit more than just be a bucket you know, be more of an all-around type player. Sacrifice a little bit, play defense, be more of a be more of a facilitator, get guys involved, rebound a little bit. I, I'm a fan. I've been a fan of since you know high school. He's you know a big high school guy come, coming out. He was sensation all his life and things like that. So um, I think he's very talented. He could put up, he could score, but it's about doing the other things. So hopefully he gets he gets something soon. Maybe it may work out for him. He may he may end up on a really good team and, and really show his impact. Um, and and it could 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 help him uh, get a nice little deal. You look at you know GP two, uh, you know he was bounced around, didn't know where was what was going to happen. Situation a little different, but ended up going to a really good team, showed his impact, and then he got the bag with Portland. So uh, hopefully things work out with him. We don't got to go through all these guys, but obviously you know some of the notables, Carmelo. I know I saw Dennis Schroeder try to shoot a shot with LeBron again, <laughs> try to make try to make amends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even see that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he he folded that bag. Well, cousin, we talked about cousins a little bit. What what do you think he could go? He said he wanted. To, I saw an interview where he said he wanted to go to the Lakers, but he wanted a starting role. Where do you see cousins and Carmelo? And then we'll see. I throw another another guy in here. We got Bo from the hustle. Aaron <laughs> Rangonas on here. Let's see. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Blake Griffin. Yeah, Blake Griffin. Yeah, those those three guys. What what do you see the the future for them? Contenders, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if Boogie can really like be a starter at this point in his career um in the NBA, but he can definitely be a great second option, great backup center, as we saw last season in Denver. So, unfortunately, which I still don't understand, they're not bringing him back. So, I don't know. I. I could probably see him in Phoenix, like a team like Phoenix, you know, being uh, right behind DeAndre Aiden. Since I think I think McGee is out of there, isn't he? Yeah, he's in Dallas now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I I could definitely see Phoenix, another team. Um, honestly, I can't even think of another team. But yeah, Phoenix Phoenix would definitely be um a great a great solid um pickup for them. I heard about Melo. <clears throat> Let me. Uh, I, I'm still on this Cousins here a little bit. Okay. Hear me out, okay? Hear me out. And I know I ride this. Oh, my God. It, it, it's another Kentucky guy. He's gonna no, 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 no. <laughs> She's going to say no, Miami? I mean, I'm going to say Miami. I'm just – I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this because Bam can go one through five. Defense, he struggles, I'll say, a little bit with the five. So, you got Cousins being the big man down there. On offense, you got Cousins, who has a decent-looking shot from deep. I won't say it's great, but it's at least – I mean, it's less than P.J. Tucker's. 
But, I mean, at least there's an option there where you can have those two switch on offense. Because I always felt like Miami has been wonderful with uh, back when they had uh, Kelly Olenek playing basically the four on offense, the five on defense with Bam in that, and then even having uh, P.J. Tucker come in with kind of the same thing. So they're going to miss that P.J. toughness. Cousins is flat out tough. He'll throw a bow at anybody that steps into there. Uh, Pat Riley, being the Kentucky man he is, comes in and say, hey, Cousins, prove it here a little bit. Uh, you played great. Well, let's just do a one-year deal. Won't say you start every game, but at least when we play big ball, we got you and we can roll with you because Cousins' mentality as far as him all around is Miami. Like, you know, the way that they work, the way that they fight really everyone, that's Cousins. So I think Miami could be an option for him. I do think his best bet would be to sign back with the Nuggets because he is one of that needs the ball in his hands a little more. Uh, he does have a good passing uh, ability. He, Like I said, he can shoot. I just feel like I'm trying to get around to this without saying it negative towards him, but the big man is almost the center position has kind of changed. You know, you've got to be one that can jump out of a gym and, and protect the realm, but also catch the lobs and be uh, mobile. With his injuries, he's not very – agile partake in that. Like he's going to have his back to the goal and need the ball where he can just bully around, throw a ball at someone's head and then lay it in. Or he could catch it at the elbow or the free or at the top of the key, like Jokic or uh, Joker bringing, yeah. brings it up too. Yeah, I was going to say, yo, Jokic, Jokic is an anomaly. <laughs> You're right. So, I mean, I won't say he's like the Joker, but oh, he, he was doing, I mean, he was, he was Jokic before Jokic. Like, well, he was doing right, well, I'm saying like right now, like he's a poor man. Right. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Because yeah. so, I mean, he, he would be a good person off the bench to come in for Joker and still actually be able to run the same offense. Like most time, you take Joker out, you got to change the offense up some because your big man's not going to be able to do the same thing. Cousins, mm-hmm. you could. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's you know it's just sad. It's just sad with the Marcus. Yeah, you know it's just. It is, man. Oh yeah. my god. Just, yeah. just think about I, what they what could have been in New Orleans with him at AD? That uh, I watched that Achilles too. The Sacramento days, man. Oh my God, yeah, it's his that prime. Was, yeah, his prime was, was wasted, wasted with that franchise, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, lastly, like I said, we don't got to go through everybody. What, what you guys think where Melo is, is going to go? Mm, that's a tough one. That's tough I think Melo stays in LA. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard yeah. for him. It, um, yeah. He had a great season there, and you know, he operated a lot as like a stretch four. So he'd be a catch and shoot guy, catch and shoot target for the you know LeBron James kickouts and such in the corner on the wing. I think he shot a high percentage from three. Um, you know, sprinkled in a little of his signature post ups and post fadeaways. You know, he can throw that in a little bit. Uh, you know, be a you know be a decent rebounder with a signature. You know, get the f out of here. You know, I got it. <laughs> right. Right. It never gets old. Uh, um, classics. So, yep. So that's always fun. Um, so, yeah, I think Adelaide's a good spot for him. Um, go ahead to Cousins real quick because, you know, Michael touched on him. Um, I don't really see a spot for him in, in, in Miami per se just because they seem set in their rotation mm-hmm. with Bam, Yurtsevin, and they re-signed Deadman. So right. I think that's kind of the doors kind of closed there for him. But um, I do see two other um, destinations for him in Philadelphia. Because um, I think they have, I think Paul Reed there as like technically their backup center, so they could have room for one more. And then also in um, in LA with the Clippers, 
um, because they they had Isaiah Hartenstein there before, mm-hmm. but he's gone. Um, he got a they couldn't afford to pay him. He got a bigger deal elsewhere. I can't remember where he signed. Um, Knicks. Yeah, I was to say I thought, I thought yeah, it was yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. So he's in there in New York. So I mean, they have a open backup center spot that he can mm-hmm. fill. Um, you know, coming in behind Zubach, being a nice stretch five option for them. So I like those two um, destinations for him. He could fill in a, a nice role there. But as far as Melo, I think it's best bet probably stay in LA. I think they have a they have a good relationship there. Um, he has a good sense of like how to play there. I think they've got a good sense of chemistry after that one year there. So I think that'd be a good spot for him. I don't know really of anywhere else where he's really needed like that. Um, but he had a good season in LA, and hopefully he can replicate that if he were to come back for a second season. Yeah, I agree. I think those are those are good spots for for uh, Cousins. Definitely, Philadelphia is definitely one mm-hmm. uh, because it's similar to like what Michael was saying with Jokic. You know, two guys, big men uh, that like, play with their back to the basket. You could kind of keep the same type of offense when those guys are on the bench uh, because of you know what what the skill set of, of Cousins. So I think that. That that sounds like a that's a great opportunity. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens with, with him there. I think that'd be a, a great spot for him uh, to play behind and be. You know, Harden loves giving the giving the ball to you know either rolling bigs or or bigs that like to pop. So um, I think I think that'd be a good good fit. And I agree. Yeah, Melo Lakers. I, I mean, I just it's just tough for me to see any other team right now. Um, I just want to see him on at least on a you know contender. I know they didn't really contend last year, but. Uh, you know, if those guys are healthy, you would you would hope they they'd have a much better season. And he he played he played better at home than on the road. He was definitely more of a, a, a better player at, at the crypto.com arena. Center forever. Hey, when they changed the name, that's when they really started to be they curse the themselves. Yep. Yeah, for sure. They yeah, they, they, they definitely did. <laughs> But <laughs> I think, the, yeah, Lakers is the, is the best spot f- for him. He has a relationship with LeBron, and and like you guys said, yeah, that that driving kick. He, I, I, I salute him. I salute him. He was out the league for a little bit. Houston kind of got blackballed with with D'Antoni, and went to Portland and really transitioned into a you know a stretch four, you know, a, a sniper from the from the corner, kind of like a, a PJ Tucker minus the defense, <laughs> and uh, it's not. <laughs> You know, not knocking down some shots and finding a find a night find a nice role for him, you know, in in the latter stages of his career. He's smart. He was smart. And um yeah, we'll 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 see. If people say the, the Knicks, I just I don't I don't want to see him here because no. it just doesn't it doesn't make no. it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense because I, I want to see Toppin and Toppin is the back of power forward and I want to see him develop. So you bring in a guy like Melo, it just doesn't make any sense to to bring him there. You just you really just stifling the minutes of I've always topping a guy that you know the, the Knicks really need to see what they have with him moving you forward. The future, only future. Yeah, yeah, if you, yeah, but you gotta, you got, you could have a, a calm mix, but yeah, definitely. Um, well, but Melo's not a calm mix. I mean, yeah, the reason yeah. why I think he stays in LA is because I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to go to a team and says, "Hey, I'm going to be the veteran leader here," and kind of say, "This is what it's going to take to win." Like, yeah, yeah, that's with, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's not him. That's not him right now. Yeah. That's not him right now. It's definitely passed out. He's just he's just enjoying playing basketball with LeBron James yep. and Anthony Davis and getting a check for it. Yeah. <laughs> facts. Facts. Then, I would be yeah. okay too, LeBron, if you need someone else to just stand in the corner and not play defense and shoot the ball when you pass it out to him. Just write <laughs> me a check. Yep. 
All right, last, last topic before we finish up here, man. Aaron, thanks again for, for stopping by, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, uh, guys. One get- the last comment I got is um, with, um, you know, when we were talking about the different errors and comparing errors, I just saw uh, Draymond put up a tweet just a little while ago because he's watching the 98 Bulls. Um, so he said I that he was watching uh, us. But I mean, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. He could have been watching us because he commented on it. But he said if okay. we like compared eras, or he says it's dumb to compare eras because um, he said we would have beaten these Bulls by a dub and these Jazz by forty if they're going to play these brands of basketball. <laughs> that was his comment on Twitter. So I just felt like that was timely because we just talked about it. But right, like he said, yeah. don't compare eras like that, man. It's just it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and, uh, it, I just, I disagree yeah, with that anyway. Like what he said, but yeah, At this point, I'm just so tired of like appearing to teams like like they, they do it all the time. Like the '96 Bulls against the Warriors. Uh, they do it like the '01 Lakers against like the '17 Warriors. It's like yeah. they match up, at this point, they, like it match up well. It's a, it's a nice on paper. It's yeah. a nice matchup. All but I mean, it's like you know, it's it's all hypothetical. Like you know, we're never gonna see it. So it's like, yeah, of course. All right, uh, last last topic before we wrap it up. This is create a team of players under twenty five. We got a fifteen dollar limit. We're gonna start with Michael. Um, what's your team with the fifteen dollars that you got in your pocket? It's <laughs> tough. I already know who he's picking first at, at the five dollar list. <laughs> Who's that? I'm Where's not saying. Where's the card? <laughs> I mean, I do have it right here actually, but no, I'm not taking Zion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was surprised. That ten dollar card is an investment of ten dollar. I'm sorry, it's not ten dollars. It was graded ten. There's a difference. But no, uh, as far as under twenty five right now, I mean, you got to take. See, here's the only thing I hate about this because I try to be strategic. You know, I want a guard, I want a big man, and everything. But they don't have like one level of centers, one level of power forwards. So yeah. It makes it a little difficult because, you know, I'm looking at the the $4 and you got Ball in there who's a point guard in there with uh, Aiton. You know, like, okay, if I go five here with Luca, I've got to try to figure out who I want to go as far as that yeah, as well. I got, so I got, Jared, I got Jared Allen at two, Jared Jackson Jr., Evan Mobley. That's and I'll say – Versatile, versatile bigs. That's that's the way. Not that I'm on the number ones yet, but I can't see who some of the ones because the creative team is covering them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna okay. ask. Like, you know, besides besides Jalen Green and Jaron Jackson, I can't see the other ones. I think I think that's Maxi right next to uh, Jalen right, Green. Yeah. No problem. Just take that off. Okay. Right. Hall- oh, okay. Right. Okay. Halbert, Maxi, Green, Jaron Jackson. Ooh, I like that Jaron Jackson number. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll, I'll start. I'm gonna say uh, I got I got Zion at five. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'll go bi bi four dollars. Okay. Lonzo at three dollars. Need a facilitator. Um, and then I'm gonna go with Mobley. Uh, which with, with, at two bucks. Uh, I was just watching his uh, his, you know, little program running out with KD. Uh, I was, was dropping buckets, and then one dollar, I had uh, I had green. Actually, no, I had uh, Jaron Jackson, mm. Jaren Jackson Jr. So I got some vers- versatile forwards, facilitator, and I got two guys that could give me thirty, man. And Bi and Zion. See, I line up doesn't look like I'm gonna have any really big. Who's next? Who's next? 
Uh, did you say where's Jared Allen? You said he's number two, right? Yeah, Jared Allen, two dollars. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Give me Allen. Give me Luca. Give me Ant Man. Give me Bane. And I need someone from the one dollar. Uh, you know what? Give me my Kentucky boy, and I'll be happy. All right. <laughs> nice. All right. Okay, so 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 what are the rules? Like, can we can we not pick the same player that you guys picked, or um... no? Just pick, you know, pick no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if it's me, I'm gonna go. I got Luca. Then I got Ant Man. Then I'm oh, gonna you, go. You can't pick my team. Never mind. No, you can't do it. You gotta pick someone. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I got Luca. I got Ant Man. I got. I'm gonna go Lonzo. I'm gonna go. I'll go, yeah, I'll go Jared Allen, and then I'll go Jaron Jackson Jr. I will say, I went Allen, but I really want to go with Poole, but I needed a big. Otherwise, Poole for $2, that's a steal. That is a bargain, boys. He's going to take Mobley at $2 in this steal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That is a a bargain. What you got? All right. Uh, So I'm going to go with um, the $5, Luca. Um, at the $4 spot, Anthony Edwards at the $3 spot, uh, Desmond Bain. Um, there we go. Give him some love to him. Nine. I think that's 12. Um, at the $2 spot, I got Jared Allen and at the $1 Jaron Jackson Jr. All right, all right. There we go. Everybody went with Luca except me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Luca, and then we didn't want to say anything, but hey, man, like I like Luca, bro. But I'm a just, yeah. I'm a fan of Zion. I think he's a special, special guy, man. Okay. Special, man. If this is 2023, we might have a different story, but we we ain't seen him play in a year, so it's kind of hard to. go. Oh, now that. now we agree with me. I've been saying that like the last like few months now. Y'all be like, oh Zion, he averaged twenty seven the year before. I'm still I'm still on that, bro. I, I ain't changed. I like how you was hating. Yeah. I like Nick how you was hating on me for not picking Zion because the card when I've got a Luca one right here as well. I mean, just the same. Respect twenty seven and twenty seven and seven on on sixty. I mean, I got I got to take Dang. that. And I got he's a legend. Oh yeah, if he's healthy, he's then I got oh, yeah. then I got Bi and then him and Zion and and Zoe got the connection already with the lobs. So you know, oh, hell, you, you you probably picked yeah. the Pelicans from like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. But, but, <laughs> facts. But, with Mobley at the four, come on, Ooh, that's nasty. Come on, man. that's that's yeah, a different nasty. type of lineup. But all Aaron, right, I right. know we're pretty much done with the show, but I just want to ask you real quick: What do you think of the Pelicans this coming year? Man, I have high hopes for them. To be honest. Just looking at Zion's, you know, impending return and, you know, B.I. as, you know, just everything he brings to the table. And then the young guns that are coming up, like Herb Jones. And then, um, was it a Trey? Trey Murphy, yep. Yeah. He had a Jose Alvarado. Like, um, Alvarado, Grand Theft Alvarado. Like, they got That's a good nickname. That's actually um, you know, That's a great nickname. That's a great Fantastic, name. yep. So I have high hopes okay. for them. I think they can really make a make some noise. I mean, they already made the playoffs this last season. So next okay, season, so they can be they can be in the run right in the thick of it. So I think they're going to be between 
I'm not going to put them in the absolute elite class, but anywhere from five to seven seed, I think, in the West, I think it's fair. Five thank to seven you. seed. What yeah. you mean? Thank you. I, I said, mean, okay, thank but what <laughs> <laughs> if? I swear, one of one of y'all said that they were going to get to the conference finals. I swear, one of y'all said that, that they were going to get to the conference finals. I was like, no way. It's not me. I'm not there yet. So it must have. It must have been Michael. Because my thing I mean, is, I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I said they could be a top five seed in the West with the talent they have. I'm not mad at that though. But like, my thing is, is that you know, the Pelicans are a good team. We saw that this past year, you know, in that Phoenix series, but. I'm not banking on Zion being healthy like the entire year to really see like if they can really elevate to like a top contender in the West. So that that's my concern. Obviously, with Zion on the floor when he's healthy, he's one of the more dominant players in the league. But I just can't bank on him being healthy for like a significant yeah. amount of time. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Zion, most improved player next year. Oh, oh my god! Not, I mean, was, it's really was it, was it going to shoot seventy five percent? Can't really be most improved when. I mean, He's really, just comeback player, I guess. Comeback player, that's all. Awesome. Yeah. Comeback player of the year. But still, <laughs> but still, like I mean, improve because he learned how to get healthy. I guess. I mean, yeah, because he <laughs> he stopped health. eating fried food. Improved health. Well, the gumbo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <off> gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> well, boys, I think that pretty much wraps our show up. We're almost we're under two hours, so that's phenomenal on that. Aaron, again, thank you so much. So, so much for coming on here. Uh, we envy you for being out in Vegas. We are trying to reach your goals of what you had this year. Every so, year. we will be there. Uh, keep doing everything you're doing. Keep grinding. And, uh, yeah, you know, just going to go ahead and throw this out here. Uh, invitation for us to come on your show, we accept. So, with that being said, go ahead and give your little shout-out. Your uh, I say little. That sounds totally not right. Shout out your stuff real quick there. Uh, tell them what you got going on and everything again, just so in case anybody forgot or didn't hear it. Sure, sure. So um, over at No Trade Clause, that's where I'm currently contributing, helping out with the website. So if you want to check us out on Twitter, our Twitter handle is no trade underscore clause. So we have graphics going up over there. We have um, links to all our, of our different resources. Um, our website is on there. Our website, by the way, is notradeclause.com, just like all one word. Um, that's where you can find like our cap sheets and our um, our transaction tracker and all that good information. So definitely check us out. And then we have a podcast as well. We try to go live every week or almost every week with um, some pretty pretty legit guests. So if you want to check that out, it's going to be My over guess. at No Trade Clause. Just type it into Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's all right there. Um, I'm in the process of talking to some people, getting them on for the next couple of weeks. So we're going to have some, some, some solid content coming up. Awesome. Be sure to give us a look, check out the website podcast and, um, yeah, more content coming soon, but appreciate you guys. Thanks for the time. Always a great chat and, uh, keep it going, keep it going over at, uh, CTB. Some great yeah. stuff over here, guys. So. CTB, man. We got a lot of things coming we'll soon. Definitely. Yep. Love uh, it. Nick, CJ, y'all want to give your shout outs real quick. Uh, you can go for CJ. Yeah, link, linktree.com slash cjames9. You can find everything I got going on. Uh, NBA, NFL, Knicks, Knicks Boulevard, Forever Patriots. New channels on the way uh, for all things Patriots and all things Knicks. Garda Podcast, obviously that's a staple. Um, still new episode dropped two weeks ago. You guys want to check that out? New episode on the way. Uh, yeah, that's it. 
follow me on Twitter at Nick Andre ATR. Very active on there as well. Um, definitely check out. <laughs> definitely yeah. check out the. Uh, <laughs> check out. Oh yeah, definitely follow us at Count uh, at Count Bucket USN. Check us out on um, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your, wherever you uh, listen to your podcast at. Check out the Hoop Truthers. Shout out to my guy Algu. I think who I believe is in Mexico right now, so we're de- we're taking a week off. And next series, Forgotten Players by Two Point Five, August first. Look out for that. That's about it. Awesome. And of course, you can follow me MD Lawson zero zero pretty much on any social media platforms. As I drop my airpod uh link in the bio for a link tree on all that whole nine yards also got a show on thursdays 9 p.m eastern time uh backstop banter everything baseball and that's about it let's go ahead and wrap it up boys y'all have a good one this is